this. I accidentally brought those dangerous people here. We started getting some visitors from every universe. You ready? The multiverse is real. They all die in fighting Spider-Man. They're all coming here. Don't do this. I have to try. Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man could really do so. They're a danger to our universe. I'm gonna get through it together. We will send them back. Do it. This is all my fault. Thursday. Episode 406. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls. To bite a radioactive spider, it's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, four, three, three two, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. And uh, Jake, uh, big movie review this week. Yeah, a big one. It's it's hard to believe we're on the other side of this one finally. Mm-hmm. I know it's 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 insane. Uh, Spider Man No Way Home dropped in theaters, and it's one of those rare movies that we got to see together, Jake. Yeah, I I, I think there's only been a handful, like maybe six, eight at the most, that we've seen together. So is this, yeah, is this the first Marvel movie that we've seen together? I, yeah, I don't think we've ever seen a Marvel movie together. I think we saw all three of the Star Wars. trilogy Star Wars. We saw Justice League together for some reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we saw Psycho Gorman. Um, is that it? Have I named everything? Does Doctor Strange have a spell to make me forget Justice League? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only thing is it'll make everyone forget Justice League, but that's probably not a problem. We did see Psycho Gorman together. Oh, and real quick, I want to thank uh listener. He goes by Johnny Johnny Tsunami. He sent me a Psycho Gorman hoodie, and I absolutely love it. I've probably worn it two or three times already. So thank you so much. Oh, and I also want to thank uh Nathan McConnell. For sending a package, he sent uh, he sent a nice card and a like my grandmother. He sends he sends a nice little check with it. So thank you. And then he sent me Jake. He sent me uh, a uh, from Shang Chi. He sent me the Morris stuffed plush doll. Oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to thank Nathan as well. He he also sent me a little Christmas gift, and I, I really appreciated it. Um, Stephen Farshid as well sent me a really nice a nice gift, and uh, and June sent me a really cool shirt. 
Oh yeah, June sent me some. I, I'm going to open up everything. I'm going to I'm going to open up all the gifts. I've probably got like five or six packages here from listeners that I'm going to open up on uh, next week. We're going to do like a Hawkeye finale episode. I think Thursday we're going to record that. Probably drop it on Friday, and uh, I'll open up all the gifts when we do that. You can still do that recording, Jake, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, good. Seems, that, that seems very fitting. You know, the Christmas themed yeah. Hawkeye finale will open up some Christmas gifts. I still got one opened one here too to join in with you. Yeah. Once Clint doesn't make it home and ends up dying, we'll open it. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's yes. Yeah, someone's <laughs> got to celebrate. It can't be all bad. Well, I don't think I, I'm hoping Clint makes it home. We'll find out next week. Uh, I want to, I want to welcome our <laughs> guests onto the No Way Home podcast. Uh, we've got Joe Stark. Hey, excited to be here. Joe, start toning down your haze, I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> what level you want me at? I could definitely turn it up quite a bit. You usually come in pretty hot on your haze, and I feel like now that I've called it out a few times, you're like trying to tone it down. You're trying to find that, <laughs> you're trying to find that medium grade hay, you know? I'll- Always searching for that optimum hay. I know. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of this one. This one sounded like the needle got pushed off the record. It like ended so abruptly. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like Joe probably spent five hours in front of the mirror saying "Hey" today before we recorded. <laughs> That's definitely getting penciled in for tomorrow. <laughs> uh, we've also Joe from uh, Joe from Startcast. Uh, we've got uh, Tristan Shift and Tristan Brown. Welcome, Shift and Tristan. Hey! Uh, yeah yeah couldn't tell um neil thollander from the (laughs) from the smorgasbord podcast welcome neil thank you for having me as always it's great to talk to you guys and i'm super stoked for this one and longtime listener one of our youngest listeners we practically raised him as a child findy's creek is back Wow. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor and a privilege to be here. I am very excited to talk Spider-Man, and thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, were You You were definitely on for the last Spider-Man. Were, were you yes, on, sir. Were you on for Homecoming? Um, I was not on for Homecoming. I was supposed to be on for Spider-Verse, but I was having some health issues, and I was sick, and stuff stuff happened with that, so I wasn't able to make it. But then I was here for Far From Home. And I am here today, and I'm very excited. Yes, we are going to be talking about uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, stay tuned for the end of the podcast. We will be talking about the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness teaser, as well as some, you know, uh, digging into that trailer, possible spoilers for uh, for uh Multiverse of Madness. We're also going to be talking a little, just a little tad bit of Marvel news, um, some things that I wanted to address. Uh, we have a contest. I have to go over this contest right now. It is uh, for the new movie, Clifford the Big Red Dog is home for the holidays. When Clifford grows 10 feet tall overnight, he and his friends are chased across the city in his brand new movie adventure that critics are calling 100% fun for the entire family. Buy Clifford the Big Red Dog on digital today and get supersized special features, including deleted scenes, movie-making magic, and much more. Available at participating retailers. It's rated PG from Paramount Pictures. And we have five digital copies that we can give out to you. Guys, you got kids? I'd love for our listeners that have kids to enter this one. If you're a 40-year-old man entering this one, you have no children in your home, and you're entering this contest, I question you as a human being. So, shame, 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 shame. Let the kids win. So if, you, if you're a parent and you have kids and you want a copy of uh, Clifford 
the big red dog. Uh, I've got digital copies, five digital copies. I'm going to be sending out a Facebook post and a tweet uh, about the movie. All you have to do is share it or retweet it screenshot it that you shared it or retweeted it and send it to our new email address contest at popcultureleftovers.com so it's contest not contests not plural contest at popcultureleftovers.com and i would say within the next couple weeks when we come back for a regular episode i'll go over the winners for the clifford the big red dog movie all right guys let's jump in to uh the spider-man stuff oh one thing i did want to point out i got a couple things that i want to point out that there was uh the chinese leak for spider-man no way home that was posted on reddit and uh it was a hundred percent on point it was it came out about a week and a half ago and uh i i had read it and uh i'll link it in the show notes if uh, our listeners want to see the uh, chinese leak that was dropped i'd say 10 or 11 days ago. Um, also, uh, on this episode, I don't want to spoil the events from Hawkeye episode five. Uh, those are going to be in a separate bonus podcast that we're going to be releasing. Uh, so we will not be spoiling any of the events from Hawkeye episode five on this particular Spider-Man No Way Home episode. All right, guys, uh, we are going to be jumping immediately into spoiler territory. So I'm going to be playing our spoiler. Spoiler bumper. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. I sincerely mean this. Uh, there will be spoilers immediately following <laughs> this warning. So if you were just wanting to hear our ratings without any spoilers, you're not going to get the luxury. We're going to be jumping right into spoilers. Spider-Man No Way Home synopsis. With Spider-Man's identity now revealed, our friendly neighborhood web slinger is unmasked and no longer able to separate his normal life as Peter Parker from the high stakes of being a superhero. When Peter asks for help from Doctor Strange, the stakes become even more dangerous forcing him to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. This is the sequel to both Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. It is the 27th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's directed by John Watts, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. It stars Tom Holland as Peter Parker, alongside Zendaya, Benedict Cumberbatch, Jacob Batalon, John Favreau, Jamie Foxx, Willem Dafoe. Oh, I wanted to point this out. Willem Dafoe did an interview with comicbook.com about his return as the Green Goblin. And um, he revealed that he agreed to return as the Green Goblin under one condition. He wanted to take part in the action. He said, to do this physical stuff was important to me. In fact, one of the first things I said to John and Amy Pascal, basically when they pitched it to me before there was even a script, was, listen, I don't want to just pop in there as a cameo or just fill in close-ups. I want to do the action because that's fun for me. Also, it's really impossible to add any integrity or any fun to the character if you don't participate in these things because all that action stuff informs you, informs your relationships to the characters and the story. It makes you earn your right to play the character in a funny way. And uh, I thought, thought I thought that that was really cool. That he just yeah. didn't want to show up for a fucking paycheck 
And he really wanted to come back and embody the Green Goblin and be a part of the action. And you were talking about a guy that was like, you know, doing, you know, action stuff in the Aquaman movies. And I just I fucking love <laughs> Willem Dafoe's like um, his tenacity. And it's just like his uh, his uh, absolute uh, joy to play this character. I thought it was I, I just love that quote. Yeah, um, dude, I, I love that, too. And he's not wrong. When when an actor turns into a CG character, something is always lost, right? You just do not have the same connection as when you actually can tell that the actor is pulling off these action stunts. Unless you're watching The Irishman and you're watching De- Old Man De Niro run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a reason that movie's four hours long. <laughs> yeah, they, they needed that stuntman. They did. They needed the stuntman for that one. <laughs> uh, a guy hopefully 30 years younger. He's in his 70s. Um, we also got Alfred Molina returning. Benedict Wong, Tony Revolori, and Marissa Tomei, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire. All right. Spider-Man No Way Home has a runtime of 148 minutes and an estimated budget of $200 million. And uh, we are going to be jumping straight into our ratings of Spider-Man No Way Home. If this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Uh, I want to get ratings from Neil. Neil, how many times have you seen it? And uh, yeah, when, when did you see it? I'm just curious. Yeah, I saw it once uh, yesterday. It's the only time I was able to go see it. Um, let me just jump right into the rating and everything. You can you can talk about it. You can rate it. You can do, <laughs> you can do whatever you want to. A, a lot of it we're going to unpack as we go into the movie. Yeah. But you can. I mean, we are in spoiler mode, so go for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I really thought that it was great that they put MJ and Ned farther up to the front uh, than they have been in the past movies, and it was really. Good to see Tom Holland growing into this into this part. Um, thought the the, mo- the heavy moments in the movie were really really good, and they really hit home. And I, I thought the banter was excellent. Um, the pacing was fantastic. I, I was never there was never a dull moment in this. Uh, I really really appreciated uh, what they did for Garfield because um, I always really enjoyed his performance in the first in his two spider-man movies even though i did not like the movies themselves um so it's good to see him get some time to shine but yeah i i, I tupperware the fuck out of this movie i i think it's my favorite spider-man movie right now um it's i mean it's pretty much tied with spider-verse i i well, I, well we'll see with time whether or not that stays but yeah this was fucking fantastic so Tupperware from Neil, that's that's incredible. Um, I want to hear from uh, I want to hear from Tristan. Yeah, um, so I saw it twice, um, and um, one thing that stood out to me was just the fact that that two and a half hours just flies by. Like Neil was saying, the pacing is really good. There, you don't really get bored. I did notice on my second viewing, though, I started kind of picking it apart a little bit more. But overall, um, I came out of that, that theater the first time just so ecstatic and, and in love with this film. And, and it's a, 
very high Tupperware for me. I thought um, John Watts did amazing. Um, Brian, you and I were talking shit about John Watts a couple weeks ago about how he's such a cookie-cutter uh, director, but I feel like he had a bit of an identity in this one. And and I'm really excited to see what he does for the Fantastic Four. So, yeah, it's a, it's a Tupperware for me. Yeah, Tupperware from Tristan. Um, Finn, let's hear from you. Okay, uh, I'll try to make this quick. I don't know, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. Like, it's probably my favorite thing. Um, and so I had a lot... A lot of expectations going into this movie. I loved Homecoming, loved Far From Home. Uh, and so I was, I had high expectations, especially knowing that most likely we were going to be getting Toby and Andrew. Um, Andrew's probably my favorite live action Spider-Man, even though I think his movies are the worst ones. Um, I love his portrayal. Uh, so I was really excited to see, um, those guys and especially the villains too. I mean, Spider-Man 2 is my second favorite comic movie ever. So getting to see Doc Ock was great. Uh, but yeah, I want to echo the, the thoughts about the pacing. Um, this movie really, really did fly by. I saw it twice in one day. Um, I saw it at 4 p.m. on Thursday and then 10 p.m. on Thursday. And the second showing especially, I was, like, having the best time. Um, I never got bored. I never felt like there were really many scenes besides maybe a few in the beginning of the movie that felt like they were dragging on too long, um, which I can't say about most MCU movies, especially things like Eternals, where I'm just like, oh my gosh, sometimes I was just waiting for them to end. Uh, this movie <laughs> there's, there's, the he's, Icarus time. is still fucking Cersei on the beach. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> for real. No, it's like, so, I felt like every, honestly, every single scene in this movie was, was used um, intentionally. Uh, th- this movie actually had some really great shots in it. Like I was sitting next to my friend who I was going to see movies with and I was like, this like the cinematography in this scene i mean i know it's mostly cgi but it looked really good like the scene with him in the billboard and stuff i was like wow this is a really interesting frame to look at like it looked amazing um and honestly this movie i think fixed probably 90 to 100 percent of my my problems with mcu spider-man you know they took out a lot of the iron man stuff they gave him the responsibility speech they did they did a lot of the things that i had been dying for them to do for two movies and it kind of brought it all full circle in this like and then, and then it ends with, it ends how it ends, and it kind of feels like this, like, magnum opus of this Spider-Man MCU story that is, it finally has rounded out. Um, and I just had a grin on my face the whole time. I, I cried multiple times, like, like, tears were actually coming down my face. I haven't cried in a movie, probably since Spider-Verse, and before then, probably since I saw, like, Finding Nemo when I was, like, four. Like, I don't <laughs> cry during movies at all. And there were moments in this movie where I was like, I can't contain myself. Like, I was, I was a mess. And it, it put a smile on my face. It made me, as a Spider-Man fan, so happy. It's probably my second or third favorite Spider-Man, or, yeah, I guess Spider-Man movie behind Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2. I don't know. It might be number two after a couple more viewings. We'll see. But I I felt like it was it was so successful. Probably one of, if not my favorite MCU movies. Like, I loved it. I'm sorry for rambling. I thought it was amazing. Tupperware all the way. Biggest Tupperware of the, of the year. Tupperware. All right. Uh, Joe Stark. Yeah, this was an absolute Tupperware for me. Um, I loved this movie so much. Um, I saw it once so far on Thursday. I took both my kids with me to see it opening night. And yeah, we were, we were just glued to the screens. Um, we were really doing the PP dance with <laughs> We were waiting for the end credits. <laughs> and, uh, it was totally worth it. It was so amazing. Um, I, I actually had a ticket to go and see it. Uh, I was going to see it again yesterday. But then ended up having like a really wicked headache and so had to cancel my ticket. So uh, it, at some point again here soon in this next week, I'm going to go and see it again, probably in 3D this next time. This looked like yeah. a good one for that. 
Um, but this movie, it was, it was so perfect for me. I haven't been the biggest fan of the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, even though I, I love him as Spider-Man. Um, but it's just his movies haven't been the most engaging to me. Like Homecoming, I thought was, you know, serviceable and, and I thought Far From Home was a little bit better, but you know, they're not ones that, that, that I'm always, you know, excited to go back and rewatch. But, but this one just blew me away. I mean, the, the balance of, of heart and humor and action in this was just absolutely perfect. And, and the way that they tied in and then also kind of tied up the storylines that had been left hanging in these previous franchises and, uh, the, the absolutely fantastic redemption arc that we got to see with Andrew Garfield. I mean, it, it, this movie made me tear up so many times and, and that was a huge one when, you know, he shared the, the, you know, he had lost his, you know, MJ. And then when he sees that, you know, Peter one, <laughs> isn't going to make it. And he swoops in there and, and gets the job done. And it was just, it was a fist pumping moment for me. There's so many great scenes in it. The, the, um, that brotherhood that, that they immediately had between the three of them was so fantastic. Uh, all the little Easter egg moments. Um, Oh, it was, it was just wonderful. And, um, the performances in this were so good. Um, Willem Dafoe, the faces that he was making when he was getting pummeled in the face, it was just unbelievable. Like he just looked absolutely so crazy, perfectly embodied the green goblin. And, um, I, I feel like the way that they left this off, it almost feels like a like a, a reboot of of sorts for the character, which I'm really excited about to see what they're going to be going. Especially if it turns out that it's true that we are going to be getting you know three more movies maybe with Tom Holland, and can't wait to see where they go with it. Um, I'd say that this is my favorite live action Spider Man, and who knows? Once I own a copy and I've got several more viewings under my belt, um, it might actually contend with Into the Spider Verse, which is my number one. But yeah, absolute Tupperware for me. I'm actually going to go next. I, I'm going to save Jake for last um, because I, I was a little bit higher on Far From Home. Uh, I gave uh, Homecoming a taste it. Uh, far From Home is a high taste it. Jake was taste it Homecoming, taste it Far From Home. And so I'm really curious to hear what Jake has to say about uh, about this one. But um, um, I, I, you know, this whole time we've been watching, you know, Tom Holland grow up as Spider-Man in these, in these three films, uh, you know, even before, like when the movies, you know, the first movie starts, you know, we're not seeing uncle Ben die. We're not, you know, he's jumping right into, you know, his, his role as Spider-Man. Actually, the first time we see him is a civil war. So it's, you know, he's been Spider-Man. He's, he's established himself as like the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man by the time we meet him. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So the MCU is like, we're not doing the Uncle Ben thing. We're, you know, we're not going to give you that traditional origin story. Well, this movie proves that we basically have been watching his origin play out over the past three films. I thought that that was a really awesome way to approach, uh, this, this character's trilogy, the, the this, this particular Spider-Man's trilogy. And I, I appreciated that they did it that way. Um, loved seeing all three Spider-Man suits on screen together at the same time. And, uh, for as much as, you know, I liked, 
the first Amazing Spider-Man, I didn't love it, love it, but I did like Andrew Garfield in the first one. I love his suit, and I think his suit looks great in this movie. But that second movie yeah. was an abomination. Um, absolutely terrible. And I think that this really redeemed him. The only part I liked about that was the Gwen Stacy stuff. Like that hit hard and it, it hit hard when I watched it in the movie theater. Um, you know, watching Gwen Stacy die. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I absolutely loved this movie. I, I, it's hard for me to say like if it's my favorite Spider-Man movie right now because of, um, uh, all the, all the fan service in this one, which I absolutely loved, and I will continue to love all the fan service in this one. Don't get me wrong. I think this is like fan service well served. It's just one of those things where it's like, the original Spider-Man movie with Toby and Spider-Man 2 are just so good on their own without like having to include the past 20 years of Spider-Man history into one movie, which we know we're all gonna love because it is fan service and we fucking love it. And it's fan service in the best way. Um, but it's up there and it, it might be like my favorite Spider-Man movie at the end of the day. Um, right now it's, it's, uh, right now it's like Spider-Man 2 and Into the Spider-Verse are my favorites. But, uh, this movie's an absolute Tupperware and, um, I, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I had a great time. I, multiple times I laughed. I thought, John Watts really, I mean, hit it out of the park with this one. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait to unpack it, but I want to hear from Jake. Jake, thoughts, uh, rating on uh, Spider-Man No Way Home? Yeah, you're exactly right. I, I mean, I, I liked the previous two Spider-Man movies, but I definitely didn't love them. And I, I've just never been the biggest fan of how they've dealt with MCU Spider-Man, just not giving him the tragedy, just always teaming him up with other big MCU characters. It just always felt like they were not letting Spider-Man be Spider-Man in the, the way they were going about things. Um, but yeah, I thought this movie fixed all of that, and I, I had an absolute blast with this movie. This was just such a Tupperware event movie. I I've never seen anything like it in my life. Like if you put this on paper that this is what you're going to do, like I never would have thought they could have pulled it off tastefully and good with a cohesive story. The fact that they were able to, to do all this using all three different Spider-Man, using all the villains from the different universes, still having the MCU connection and still make a cohesive film that, you know, a lot of people have said like the pacing was just so good in this movie. I, it was just a marvel. I also agree that uh, John Watts really came into his own in this movie. It really felt like he did a lot more daring things, both in like the cinematography. It felt like he kind of owned the uh, the score selection a lot more in this movie than in the previous movies as well. And just the performances from from everyone were, were so good. I thought this was easily Tom Holland's best performance as the character. Like, and just seeing him actually like kind of become spider-man like the soft reset this movie did like taking away a lot of the mcu stuff making no one know who he was again you know getting rid of the suit um having an actual tragedy that we know of that was on screen happen to him like I, i'm just so excited for the future where before it was just like it was fun it was cool you know i love spider-man he's one of my all-time favorite characters but like just the excitement I have now with what they're going to do next with this character. Now that it really feels like 
he kind of is Spider-Man. I, I agree that this kind of redeems what they decided to do in those first two movies, Brian, uh, with your point. Like, I can kind of look back and enjoy those movies a little bit more knowing that this is a trilogy as a whole and that they they stuck the landing. And just sticking the landing and dealing with all the multiverse stuff, just what a fucking feat. I, this movie was so fucking good. I can't wait to unpack it. Um, yeah, I just have a million things I could say about this movie. I could go down every single actor and tell you things I loved about their performance. Um, yeah, this was fucking great. Um, I am totally biased though when it comes to ranking every Spider-Man movie. And <laughs> this is probably my fifth favorite Spider-Man movie of all time still behind all three Raimi movies and into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man 3 is so good, man. Spider-Man 3 is an underrated gem that it's it's a fine wine. Every 10 years it's better than it was before. I I I I think that the the Harry stuff it should have just been and I don't want to get too much into Spider-Man 3 cuz I want to unpack this movie, but I I agree I agree with Raimi that it should have been Harry's movie and they should not have incorporated Venom into that movie at all. And uh, they should have waited for Venom later on down the road. But they, Venom was a popular character. They wanted to put Venom in the movie. I think that they should have just kept it all Harry. Because by that that first like extended scene that they released of Harry attacking Peter before the movie came out, I was like so hyped for the film. And I enjoyed it. But I think my enjoyment level of that movie goes down more as, the, as time passes, sadly. <laughs> Um, just because knowing that it's not Dang. what Raimi wanted on screen. And the Topher Grace Venom stuff just did not work for me. But, I mean, more power to you if you love that movie. It's just I, – and I, I like it, but I don't love it. There's, I really wish that we would have been able to see the what Sam Raimi wanted to originally bring us in that film. And I've also forever wanted to see what the James Cameron, uh, oh, Spider-Man yeah, would have yeah. been. I would love to see what his treatment was going to be like. Well, the, the, the screenplay is out there. It exists. To, as far mm, as I, I would love to read that. I, I write would, that down. I would love to read it too. Like, I think, uh, I don't know if they actually had casting for it, but I've heard a lot of people say Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be Spider-Man at one time. Ooh, James Cameron. You could see it with Cameron directing. Yeah. With Cameron directing. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and, uh, actually before we do that, I do want to know, I, we, I already know Jake's thoughts on this, but is, I mean, is this a better, in your guys' opinion, is this a better trilogy than the Raimi stuff now that it did stick the landing? Because I happen to think that, like, if, if that third Raimi film would have stuck the landing and they actually they would have made Spider-Man 4 and if it kept going, I think, like, it's easy to say for me that that's the better of the trilogy. But with, with Spider-Man 3 not being, I think, what most fans kind of wanted at the end of the day, the final product... I happen to think even though the first two movies in the MCU, for me, weren't that great. They were fun. They weren't that great. I still think that the way this stuck the landing, the way that the new Star Wars sequels couldn't stick the landing, in my opinion, <laughs> I think that this is now I, I can I have no problem going back and watching Homecoming and Far From Home and watching all these movies back to back to back because I know where it leads. And and I, uh, I know I, I absolutely um, love the fact that John Watts gave us just a, a phenomenal uh, ending to this trilogy. And it just makes those first two movies that much better, in my opinion. And and I think that this movie, and I know Sony does as well, 
this movie gives more legs to those fucking previous Raimi movies and the two Andrew Garfield stinkers. So, um, Jake, (laughs) also, what I want to know what you thought about Andrew Garfield in this fucking movie. I loved Andrew Garfield in this movie. I absolutely <laughs> adored him. I, I every time I've seen it, I've seen this movie oh, three yeah. times now, and every time I see him, I like it more. I if you would have told me that I was going to like Andrew Garfield's performance more than Tobey Maguire before seeing this movie, I probably would have spit in your face. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that that that's where I am now. I, I thought, I, man, I just. Every time I see it, I feel more worse for him and his perception that he got after those first two movies. And I, I mean, I was part of that fucking, you know, group of people just dumping water on him for what I thought about those movies and his performance. So I, I thought this was some great redemption for him. I, he looks like he's just having a ton of fun, but when it's time to turn the drama on, it's totally believable. Like I, I well up just in his facial reactions when he, uh, when he saves MJ or just when he's telling his story about the tragedy that he had. I honestly oh, think out of, out of the three Spider-Man, uh, Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland and, and Andrew Garfield, I think the best actor of the group, actor, best actor, I'm not saying best Spider-Man, I'm saying best actor is probably going to be Andrew. Andrew Garfield. Yeah. yeah Easily, yeah. Andrew. I'll agree. Easily. I'll agree. I, I yeah. agree. I thought his comedy bits were absolutely fucking hilarious too. I think the hardest I laughed in the entire movie was when he was cleaning cobwebs out of the corner. <laughs> oh man. I, I think so I laughed funny. the most when they were divvying out the Peters and he's just like Peter three. Oh I got that was Spider Man number three. Oh god, I was dying at that. Brian, you asked about uh Raimi trilogy or this trilogy. Yeah. And I still think I think I can say pretty confidently, Raimi trilogy is still, um, Spider-Man 2 is my favorite comic movie ever until Spider-Verse came out, but I think that you are correct where I, I mean, I love Spider-Man 3 because it has one of the greatest lines in cinema delivered by Eddie Brock where he goes, uh, see, photography's not about, uh, flagpoles or whatever. It's about lighting, composition, drama. And that's just one of the greatest lines ever. Um, but I love Spider-Man 3. I know some people don't love it, but I think that the Holland movies actually will age better with this movie like it makes it feel more complete whereas spider-man 3 kind of dampened like the trilogy a little bit i always wonder like we talk about like how these movies i want to unpack this this film but we always talk about how these movies are going to age and i feel like once we go 30 years in the future post whatever you know when when these movies do finally wrap up i think watching these for future generations is going to be super confusing (laughs) (laughs) And, I, and and why I say that is because you can watch Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, and that's it. Or you can watch this stuff, and then you also have to watch Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Captain America, <laughs> Thor. And then, then they said, fuck it, we're doing away with numbering them. So now we're just going to call it Thor the Dark World, Thor, you know, Thor Ragnarok. It's like people mm, in the future are not going to know you know, in what order some of these movies are. And like, even we don't even know the timeline half of the time when it comes to these films and, and black widow yeah. takes place in between two movies, but it's one of the later releases in the franchise. So it's, 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 I, I, I think that the movies are, I think that they're great, but I think as far as like how they're going to age in the future, that remains to be seen because, um, you can, I, I don't I think Disney, Disney will clearly label them when they want to try to sell them to you for the eighth time. Sure. Sure. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying like, if, if, if you were to hand me these movies right now, all 27 films 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think it might take me a moment to have them in chronological order. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like if, no it, Google? if it was a game show and I had to put them up on a shelf in chronological order, I think by the time I like locked in my answer, I might get a big red X the first time. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have two wrong. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and fuck you, Jeff Probst. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. I do want to, uh, I do want to talk about this movie does take place during the summer of 2024. Um, so the events here happen actually before the events that we do see in Hawkeye, which takes place in December of 2024, even though this movie does end during Christmas time of 2024. Uh, I still thought Wait, it was, why were there Halloween direct decorations up? Get, I, maybe that business owner is just lazy and keeps them up all the time. <laughs> keeps them up all year. Yeah, that made... They that, were telling them to take them down. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. I never thought about that, actually. That is wild, because, like, it, the movie picks up, like, one week after the attack in Europe. Yeah. So, you know, pretty much, I mean, like, it... Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't understand that. That is bizarre. I think like even at the end of the movie when they show the gravestone, they only show 20. They don't show what year it is at the end. And I think they're just trying to not, I don't even know if they figured out like the timeline and like, you know what I mean? It, like they're, they're still worried about revealing what time we're in. Um, well, also, it would just confuse people if they saw Aunt May died in 2024, you know, because a lot of people aren't privy to the whole five year thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh, I, I, I do want to say, I, I want to point out some of the, the things that happened in this movie, some highlights. We're not going to go in order. We're going to jump all over the place when it comes to this one, but, um, poor happy. Fucking Aunt May. Oh my God. Aunt May, oh. Aunt May dumps him. <laughs> Aunt May dumps him. And, and I've never seen Happy so sad. It was so, <laughs> it reminded me of Swingers all over again. Totally. With his... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But she was talking about how it was a fling. And I'm telling you, like everybody talks about how like Paul Rudd doesn't age. Marissa Tomei just gets. Right. Just, just more, um, beautiful with every year that passes. It is, it is incredible. Just the, um, I mean, how old is she? 60. She's like, she's gotta be 60. 60? Right? Oh, no way. I don't, I don't think she's 60. I would guess, um, I would 53. Say like, oh, my guess. oh, Google, Google. How uh, old is Marissa Tomei? I'm doing it. She was born in December 4th, 1964. 57. Fifty-seven. I'm not. I'm not far off, guys. Wow. Yes. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's ancient. <laughs> so you are such an ageist. <laughs> hey, man. That's what I. It's all I got until I get until I get old too, and then someone starts doing the same thing to me. Oh my god. I can't wait for that day. <laughs> I'll I'll DM you in like 2040. I thought it was interesting, you know, when uh, Peter gets brought in. And they're questioning him that he's getting questioned by the DODC, the Department of, uh, the Department of Damage Control, which we were first introduced to in Spider-Man Homecoming. And that's, you know, they're the group that in this movie that we're interrogating, you know, Peter, MJ, Aunt May, and Ned. And this group was 
first commissioned by Tony Stark in Homecoming. They were there to clean up the Battle of New York in 2012, and they're still around to this day, and now they're questioning Peter. It's all, it's crazy that it's like the one person that would fucking get Peter out of this mess would be Tony Stark. He's got the resources. It's, he saved everybody, but Tony's gone. And the company that he commissioned to clean up the, after the Battle of New York, they're the ones going after Peter. And I was, I, that, that just kind of hit me when I realized that. Dang. I thought it was wild that Damage Control also had like a militarized wing. Like, I, I thought they were more just in the business of like, almost like construction. Yeah, you know, like just going around cleaning stuff up, not showing up in full militarized gear with machine guns and shit, right? What's what's going on here? What's going on here is is I mean, uh the DODC that was uh commissioned by Tony Stark, uh who's controlling them now? Is did Thunderbolt Ross and the government get involved in this now? Are they are they the ones are they collecting Stark tech? Is this what we're going to be seeing? In the Don Shadle Armor Wars series is like, mm. like who's going to be fighting over the Tony Stark armor that's left behind. And you damn well know they're, they're going to get their hands on like the fabricator and all that stuff that, that Happy had. Cause they're investigating Happy now. That's one of the things that we learn in this movie that Happy's got a lawyer up. Well, and yeah. is it going to have that same comic book tie in where in the comics damage control was a joint venture between Tony Stark and Wilson Fisk. Mm. Huh. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it wouldn't touch on that in the MCU. Maybe. I mean, but it might. I mean, if we are, you know, uh, talking about <laughs> some of the things that are that, uh, you know, some of the things that we've been seeing happen in, in other series, you know, we've got, you know, items being auctioned, in the Hawkeye series from the Avengers compound. So something to consider. Um, I love how Ned just basically admits to being the guy in the chair because of his ego. (laughs) (laughs) He rolls over so easy to the good cop. (laughs) That was the guy from succession too. The, that detective guy. I don't know if you guys watch Succession. I do not. Everybody is raving about Succession. I need oh, to watch it. I need to watch it. I love it, man. And I, and I don't even. I'm not even one for like the slower, like I guess drama of just kind of like businessmen talking about whatever. But it is so good. But yeah, he's one of like the one of the billionaire people that is constantly people are trying to make deals with in that show. I just thought it was interesting. I like pointed at the screen like Leonardo DiCaprio. I was like, that's the guy from Succession. I know that face. He did a good job. Peter gets out of this, um, he gets out of the, like most of the legal mess because of Matt Murdock. And, um, I've seen the movie three times. The I just want to, I, I forgot to point that out. I, I've seen it, uh, in IMAX. I went and saw it in 3D, which was incredible. Jake, did you watch it in 3D? Nice. I did. Yes. It was fucking crazy. I mean, there, there, like, there are so many excellent scenes in 3D. I would say like the Otto Octavius, Battle on the Bridge was amazing. The Doctor Strange in the Mirror Dimension was amazing. Um, the, you know, like at the end where you see like uh, the, the fabric of time, like the multiverse opening up, like you could literally, it looked like you could like look through into that other world as like other people are coming into, into the MCU. It looked really fucking cool on screen. 
Yeah, even some of the subtle stuff, I thought, like, when when it's the faraway shot of him swinging during sunset, I thought in 3D it just had a whole yeah. new look to it. Like, when I saw it the third time, not in 3D, I, like, respected that shot more just because of how it looked in, in the 3D. Um, but, yeah, all the stuff that you thought would look good looked amazing, and mm-hmm. the stuff that I never even thought about looking good looked fucking sweet as shit, too. Uh, the third time I saw it, and uh, I went to a Dolby Atmos theater, and the sound was incredible. But uh, we've got, uh, yeah, uh, Jake, this is one of the things that we talked about on previous episodes where we had heard from leaks that Matt Murdock was going to show up in the show. And it played out pretty much the way that we had talked about where he says, I'm a very good lawyer after he catches the brick. And <laughs> this is our um, Jake. How did that play out for you? Was it like I know you hated it when you read it, but um, seeing it on I, screen, it how was, was OK? It? I didn't hate it as much as it was on paper. I still don't think it's like super cool like it's still just a bit much like i it's like a nod and a wink to the audience that's really unneeded obviously like if you saw this movie opening night we got a pretty uproarious cheer yeah for matt murdoch showing up on screen so yeah. needing him to catch that brick to also wink at the audience just seemed a little bit needless like, i heard <laughs> like my my third audience i heard a lot of woo when he caught that brick and <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I saw it in the Dolby Atmos theater, which is almost like, it's like stadium seating in there. It's, it's really incredible. And a lot of people, it was their first time watching. And so it was great hearing, you know, I know the moments where, you know, big things are going to happen. And so like, I'm waiting for the reaction of the crowd. And it was, it, it was great hearing the Matt Murdock stuff and the stuff that came up later, but I liked it. I mean, it's, 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 it's more of that fan service for all the, the Daredevil yeah. fans of the Netflix stuff. Yeah. Like, my, um, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say my audience was, uh, screaming both times when Matt starts talking. Can you guys tell me what the fuck he says in the very beginning? <laughs> <laughs> He basically, I don't know that I still know. He basically says, like, I can, um, uh, don't worry about, uh, the legal side of this. You know, I, we can clear it up, uh, the, the, the legal ramifications. It's just, the the, uh, public court of opinion is what you have to worry about at this moment. Okay, so did the whole criminal thing just go away? Yeah, the criminal charges are gone, um, but, uh, they're, they're investigating happy. Because of the because of the drones, the the access to the drones. And so if they find out that Happy's attached to it and I'm sure I mean, they could frame Happy for this. And then, you know, who who knows who's going to get control. Do you think that we're going to see this is totally do you think that? Well, do you think that we're ever going to I mean, Pepper Potts is in charge of of Stark Technologies now. Is Gwyneth Paltrow going to be a part of Armor Wars? My guess is no, but it would make sense if she was. I Oh yeah, I think it would be smart for her to show up in Armor Wars. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, if I was if I was Disney, I would be asking her to come back and and at least appear in one or two episodes. Yeah, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I just I don't know. I don't see her being game for it. We'll see though. I was, uh, you know, I, 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 I was super happy to see Charlie Cox back. As my, Matt Murdock, even though I kind of knew it and the, the leaked pictures that came out, you know, a few weeks ago, yeah. um, were the exact same pictures that we saw from, from this scene. Um, 
But, uh, oh, and I also want to point out that, uh, it looks like if this rumor is true, uh, there's a, a really, uh, good leaker on Twitter and on Reddit, um, goes by, she goes by the name My Time to Shine Hello. She is saying that not only are we going to get Daredevil in this movie, but we can also expect to see Daredevil in the Echo series when we get the Maya Lopez oh, series. Nice. As well yeah. as well as She Hulk, and we're gonna Ooh. get and we're gonna be getting. Well, it makes sense. Jennifer Walters is a is a you know public defender lawyer. Yeah. lawyer. So I mean, it makes sense. Um, and we're gonna be getting another Daredevil Disney Plus series. Oh, Let's fuck go. yeah! Mm. And it was actually this movie was what what got me to get my younger uh, he's nineteen my younger brother to get into Daredevil so we started watching the Netflix show and I was like man I forgot how good this first season is it's oh so good oh it's, mm-hmm. yeah there's a it's a return to form yeah, in the third I'm season too to Netflix what's that yeah. oh yeah I said yeah what did you yeah, say I just restarted watching that first season on Netflix it's phenomenal that hallway fight in the second episode yeah. is oh still God. top tier I mean it's so damn good. Brian said it too. The third season's amazing. Third too. season's oh amazing. Yeah, third season is Hold just on. so good. That eleven minute sequence they had in the the prison. Yeah. Oh, oh my man. god. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So uh, we get the we get the part in the movie where you know the his friends are basically rejected. Him and his friends are all rejected from MIT, which prompts. Peter to go and visit Doctor Strange, and uh, we find out that uh, the reason for all the snow in the Sanctum is because there is a one of those like gates that they have uh, was also open up opened up to Siberia, and so a bunch of snow blew in while <laughs> while, while 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 Strange was uh, blipped away for the five years, and within those five years, uh, Wong has been the Sorcerer Supreme. And and that was one of those things that I was curious about because uh, I thought that Wong was originally blipped away, but the official marketing material in 2019 confirmed that he wasn't blipped away, uh, that he wasn't dusted, excuse me, he wasn't dusted. And Benedict Wong, the actor, came out himself and said that he wasn't dusted. But there was on the um, there was a source that he got snapped in the original shooting script from 2017. His name shows up on that script, but they retconned that. So Wong was not uh, involved in the original snap, and he has been the source of Supreme over the last five years. Um, so I yeah, I thought that that was interesting because like I was going into this thinking that he was gone too because of that 2017 script. And uh, come to find out that that's not the case. Yeah, that was a total surprise to me. And I, I loved um, uh, Doctor Strange's attitude towards it. But he was like, he got it on a technicality. <laughs> <laughs> people are like, yeah, people are like, people are like, so he's a source of Supreme? Why is he, uh, why is he fucking going, uh, hanging out in, uh, you know, uh, battling Shang-Chi. Uh, in Shang-Chi? Yeah. yeah. Why is he battling Abomination? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, probably half of the wizards are gone and you still need to pay property taxes for the Sanctum Centaurum. So you, you, you have to melt. <laughs> Tuna melts are free, yeah. 
Go ahead. This ben. movie really made me warm up to uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I I thought he did a good job. Like he's he's I especially loved him in Infinity War, but he was just so. I don't know. I don't know if it was just he was engaging, but I really, really liked his performance in this movie especially. It really made me – I was not excited for the new Doctor Strange movie before this, and now I'm actually looking forward to it. So I thought he did a great job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, thought, what, I thought he did a great job too, and um, um, I thought he was a little too nice though because just given the way that Peter kept disrespecting him and, and all that, like you would just thought he would have lost his shit. And, yeah. But at the end of the day – he had like a kind of Mr. Wilson reaction to Dennis the Menace and shit. You know, it was like, I'm upset, but I still love you. That's what I, but call yeah, me it, sir it, delivery it was so like that. That's what I loved about that this though, like- was that the fact that, that it, there's a, a moment where he, you know, when they're trying to do the spell and he, and, and afterwards and stuff like that, he's like, I got to remember that you're, you're, you're a kid. Cause you know, like, you know, they fought side by side and help, you know, save, save save the universe i mean um so it's it's one of those you can definitely tell that just their experience with the whole infinity saga just really made peter have a special place in dr strange's heart um but like that kind of brings me to my other like one of my few issues with the film was how quickly the world turned on peter because you would think anybody who was involved with the whole thanos thing would just be hailed as like heroes, you know, like almost like freaking mm. saints at this point. And you're just going to turn on him that quickly after he saved half the fucking world. That part seemed really realistic to me. But how much? <laughs> and and they so? went to pains yeah. to point out that it was conspiracy theorists. How much? You know, that were yeah. being vocal about that. Yeah. How much does the public know about Spider-Man? Because, you know, we, we, we've seen, you know, Rogers the musical and it's basically you know, all like the, um, you know, the Avengers that were involved in the battle of New York. And they're, they're, they're like, they are, uh, put on this, this pedestal, even though Ant-Man wasn't even fucking there. Um, (laughs) but it's, it's just, I, I think that society just likes to see sometimes they, we, we love to see a hero kind of fall from grace. You know, mm-hmm. like we're, we'll be the same people to lift them up, but when they fuck up, we like to. It's like people just love tearing people down. And I'm saying, I'm not saying like there aren't times where we should do that. Like there absolutely are those moments where people are just despicable people. But there are times when we're like we don't know the full story and we just tear someone down. I mean, I, I'm thinking about like the you know the O.J. Simpson trial with the. Um, what was the name of the woman that was kind of like vilified during the OJ? Oh, Marsha Clark. Marsha Clark, Marcia how, Clark. She, how she was vilified. And then like that OJ Simpson, you know, um, that, 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 that show came out and like now everybody loves Marsha Clark again. You know, it's like it took a fucking TV show for everybody to love Marsha Clark. So <laughs> I think yeah. we. I- I Go thought ahead. the movie portrayed all that really well. Like, I, I thought they did a good job of showing us different people and why, like, and their opinions. Like, they they had the conspiracy theorist and they had the people that still thought Peter was a hero. I mean, yes, even the yeah. scene with the school faculty like has all three of the different kind of people all together in one scene. But yeah, and I agree a lot with Brian. I, I thought it was a little bit of a just a social commentary on just how we're very quick to just tear someone down off the pedestal that we built for him. And, uh, I didn't find any of that fictitious at all. Like I, I thought that seemed very realistic that, 
there was just instantly a large group of people ready to just declare this guy a fucking menace. I got a question for you. Uh, moving away from that, uh, Strange is still wearing the Eye of Agamotto. It doesn't house the Time Stone anymore, so it was powerful enough to house the Time Stone. What it's it's got to have some sort of magic ability outside of housing the Time Stone. Are we going to get to see that play out in a future film? I hope so. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense that he's wearing it. It could be like a Trojan horse situation where, I mean, not everyone would have the knowledge that he doesn't have any power in anymore. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's I think we're going to learn something about I think it was I think it was a magic relic before it housed the time stone. I don't think its purpose was to house the time stone. He just used it to do that. But I think it has to has has to have another purpose other than just, you know, it's not like he's trying he's it's not like he's peacocking just by wearing accessories <laughs> i mean, strange does seem kind of vain so that's not completely out of possibility i don't think sure <laughs> you see his goatee template yeah <laughs> i want to point out that you know peter sh- arrives and he's you know asking strange if uh you know he can turn back time with the time stone he doesn't have the time stone Wong uses the word forget, and then that remind that kind of like you know gives the a light bulb in the fucking Doctor Strange brain that he he can use. I think he called it the uh, the cough call runes, um, which is a forget spell, and um, you know, and then reminds uh, Wong. Well, he says to Wong, "Do you remember the uh, the what was it the full moon?" party at Camartage and he's like no and he's like exactly like we, we've we've done these kinds of spells in the past and and uh, you know we can do it here um, I also want to point out that unlike the first trailer Wong never says strange don't cast that spell that yeah, line that line he does say at one point it's too dangerous which in the first trailer he says Strange, don't cast that spell. It's too dangerous. He does say in the movie it's too dangerous, but he basically leaves this at, you know, um, just don't get me involved. And then we, we never get the moment where Dr. Strange looks at him and says, fine, I won't, and then winks at Peter. That never happens in this movie. It's more of that trailer misdirection or stuff that just didn't make it to the final cut of the film. I think it's trailer, I think it's like movie misdirection. Yeah, they're just trying to, like, make it seem like that's more of an important plot point than it really was. It's just because they're hiding so many of what the actual major plot points are. They kind of had to create a fictitious major plot point. Yeah. And it was like, oh, Strange did this thing he wasn't supposed to. What's going to happen because of that, you know? And But that really had nothing to do with anything. (laughs) I also want to point out that Wong does say something very interesting here that I think might have future ramifications going forward possibly in the next Doctor Strange movie which we'll talk about later. I'm going to open it up a little bit later, but he does say at this point in time that the this uh, cough call runes spell uh, the forget spell travels the dark borders of the known and unknown universe and when we're talking about spells that travel dark borders this is the stuff that Baron Mordo was fucking warning Doctor Strange about in the first Doctor Strange movie. This is nothing to scoff at. Like, this is... Baron Mordo says there's a... 
there's a bill to pay. There's a bill that comes due. And we'll, I want to I want to talk about that later, but I did want to bring it up here because it does happen in this moment. Um, Strange performs the spell in the basement of the Sanctum, and he says that it's built on a site that is thousands of years old that exists at the crossroads of all realities. And they also shot an episode of The Equalizer there, and I thought that that was pretty, <laughs> pretty fucking hilarious. Ben did not get that joke. What's that? I really didn't actually. I only thought <laughs> I really did not. I think the Equalizer was the de- wasn't it like the Denzel series? Uh, it was the movie uh, remake. Yes, like Tom Cruise Mission That's Impossible. That's a remake. Yeah, there was a TV Wait, show. Okay. What? <laughs> everything's a fucking remake. Wait. Wait, Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise is a remake. It's a yes. t- it was a TV show. It was a TV show. A TV show in like the 60s. Yeah, that oh theme was like Mission Impossible. Legendary. <laughs> you have got to be jo- I am so are you wow. Okay. Well, I have not and probably will not watch it. That blows my mind. That's I thought that was like one of the great series of like 2000 cinema. This is gonna, this is gonna date me. This is gonna age me. I saw the first Mission Impossible movie when I was 18 on a date. So. Wow. Yeah. Good we, for you. And they're, oh, wow. and they're still making those movies, Finn. So it's, it's. I really like those movies, but that is crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I did, I didn't, I, I laughed a little bit because I don't know. I, I felt like I had to, but. Other people were laughing. Good. You didn't want to feel weird. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> 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 so Doctor Strange, per- Doctor Strange performs the the spell, and as he's performing the spell, Peter keeps changing, you know, like the different, uh, you know, like oh, I want MJ to remember, oh, I want Ned to remember, oh, I want Aunt May to remember, oh, I want Happy to remember, and like it's Doctor Strange is like in the fucking zone, and and he he's having to keep changing, like this spell and he just needs Peter to shut the fuck up and the spell just kind of like explodes and at that point he has to like destabilize this spell and like the the big thing that Peter said at the at the at the end that I think really activates what happens here in this movie is he says Peter says basically everyone that I knew that uh, basically everyone that that knew I was Spider-Man before should still know. And then boom, the big explosion. He has to destabilize it. Strange traps the spell in uh it's a 12-sided box. Uh in geometry they call it a, a dodecahedron or a duo decahedron. Decahedron. Decahedron, yep. yeah. And so he traps it in this box. And it's not the last time we're going to see this fucking box throughout this movie, which was <laughs> one of the things that we saw in the trailer, Jake. And like we, we, we had from leaks and stuff like that, we kind of like came to the conclusion that it's going to be a prison for the villains. And that turned out to be true in this one. But, um, yeah, that whole scene was just, I, I think that what I loved about that, especially on like my second watch after I had a time to like think about it is like that line from Peter, like that really got the, that really hit home is basically everyone that knew I was Spider-Man before should still know that was just like, Oh my God. You know, like every time you like make a wish to a genie, you got to be really specific with your words. (laughs) And Peter just kept adding more and more shit to this spell. (laughs) 
Benedict's performance during this scene was one of my favorite performances of his through this entire movie. I, I just know like all the facial expressions he did, knowing he had none of the special effects going on around him. It's almost like they designed how the special effects worked based on the amazing facial performance he was giving while Peter was annoying the shit out of him. Just the constantly starting the line over, the adding one more ring. Like it was just and he was so he was pulling, uh, he was pulling symbols out of the runes as well when, when Peter would like, and then it just got out of control. He couldn't, he couldn't control the spell anymore. Yeah, I, I, I just thought Benedict really aced this scene. Like, it, it, this scene was, was almost comical. Like, it, it was one of the funnier scenes to me the first time I saw this movie. Anybody else have anything to say about the spell or? I love the effect on when all the walls and the floor and everything blew apart and it was showing the multiverse kind of yeah. in the background and then how it all flew back in. And also that, that shape, I'm not going to attempt to pr- that pronunciation, but that, that shape that he put together was also highly featured in what if. Okay. Yeah. I still have not watched the, the fourth episode of what if, which I think is what you're talking about. The Dr. Strange episode. I think you're definitely going to want to check out at least that Doctor Strange episode. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah, I... Yeah, for sure. That was, that was one of the yes. better ones. That's what I've been told. I, I want to point out, though, that the spell, the runes spell that he was doing uh, started off with, like, the Doctor Strange, the classic, like, orange glow that we see, you know, from Doctor Strange. And then as soon as it, like, blew up and everything went to purple, which, I mean... That reminds me of the dark magic that Agatha uses. Yeah, yeah totally. It's almost like the, the same thing that like Wong was talking about. Exactly. Like the orange is the stuff that you can dabble in. The purple is the stuff that it's the dark side that you shouldn't fuck with at all. It borders on dark magic. Like that spell borders on dark magic of the known and unknown universe. And so, I mean, with Peter tampering with it, like it just got out of control. And for a moment there, like... Before he destabilized it, it was going like full purple. And I think like, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, we see what that spell would have done in that moment had Dr. Strange not put it in, in the, uh, destabilized it and put it in that 12 sided cage. Um, let's see here. Let's talk about, I, I guess I just want to, I do want to just jump in and start talking about the villains that we're introduced to here. Um, I want to get, if you've seen this movie, I don't need to break down the entire fucking thing, but I, that fucking, I'm not kidding you. That bridge fight with Otto Octavius is one of the coolest Spider-Man battles that we've ever seen on screen. It was absolutely incredible. Um, I loved how they were gravity defying constantly. It was really cool to see Spider-Man actually, do all the acrobatic shit and octopus right there with them. Yeah. Yes. What I, what I loved is like, is, is when, uh, Otto's got like the tentacles and then he's in the iron spider suit and like the iron spider, you know, uh, legs come out and he looks at the tentacles and he's like, Looks like we got competition, boys. I was like, oh, my God. And then, they, they, you know, the tentacles are attacking the iron spider legs, and you can hear them clinking off of one another. I was like, this is so fucking cool. Oh, it was yeah. so awesome. 
Yeah, I, love, love, I love how he treats the oh, tentacles sorry. like they're almost like Muppets, kind of. Like they yeah. definitely have their own identity. I love that they still kept that in this movie. Um, yeah, it was so well done. I love when he grabs the like cement cylinder block and raises it up to the camera. In 3D, you can like see all the way through the cylinder block back down into Doc Ock before it like swings all the way over and tries to hit Spider-Man. That was such a great shot. Oh, that was cool. That that shit hit him fucking hard too. Oh man, yeah, you know what I'm talking about though. Where he, oh yeah, like, pulled, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's God, that, that, that cylinder. That craziest 3D shots. Like that shot was almost designed for 3D. I think. Yeah, yeah. The tentacles looked amazing too in 3D. A lot of yeah, fighting so brutal in this one. They did a good job. I never once like I love that Raimi did all practical for Doc Ock in Spider-Man Two. Never once during this movie did I think ah these CG tentacles just don't look as good. Like they really captured that physical feel mm-hmm. of doc ock and his tentacles like i never just even gave it a thought while watching the movie that this was new technology with his arms oh yeah i didn't even know i didn't pick up on any of that at all i mean it looked great um i I loved what happened when the the nanobots um took over those tentacles and it was totally kind of contrary to what we had been speculating up uh leading up to it and so it just made it hit even funnier for me (laughs) (laughs) it was just kind of like a bluetooth pairing thing (laughs) well aside from just the arms i I felt that just alfred molino like seemed like he didn't miss a beat from like 20 years ago like it really just felt like he just really just fell right back into that character oh the totally the de-aging on all of the villains was just phenomenal it was movie. flawless. Flawless. Yeah, I was looking for, you know, I'm trying to look for the seams where they kind of like, you know, screwed up a little bit here and there. And everybody looked great. Everybody looked great. I, I honestly couldn't tell you how Kurt Connors looked in the Amazing Spider-Man, the first one. So. <laughs> I actually think they, I was reading about it. I think they actually reused a shot from Amazing Spider-Man 1 is what people were saying. Is that uh, one of the Kurt Connors shots, I think was like reused assets of it were reused from the first film yeah because like we barely get him on screen so like i guess if you don't have to bring the actor in it's just yeah, yeah. That, uh thomas hayden church had that done to him too okay uh, is that true he was never on set uh i don't know I don't if he know. was and i think that he was filming what i was reading is that he was filming something in like another country and has like a big beard so i think for they said that he did his he dubbed his lines but I think for the scene with his face, I think a lot of that was um, previously used assets. Was that for Kurt Connors, the lizard, or for? And uh, it's both of them, Sam okay. and uh, Liz- But but he did yeah, thought- he did voice the character, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, it just, a- just because. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Was it just a giant troll job by the writers of this movie to only have five villains? Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I'm like, oh, maybe Venom's gonna be the sixth, and I guess that you could say that because he was technically transported into the universe, so maybe he was like the sixth one. But yeah. then he was like, there's six of them, and he was like, actually, there's five. I was like, okay, dog. No, I, I don't. I just don't think that this was the Sinister Six movie. You know, I, I agree, but I feel like they had to have been smart and savvy enough to know the speculation that they were going to create within fandom, showing the su- shots that they showed. Like I, yeah. people wondering who the sixth m- member of the Sinister Six is. I don't <laughs> think they didn't 
foresee that being something people were asking. <laughs> no, of it course just, not. Like, there was a little bit of like malicious intent here to just <laughs> smack one <laughs> over on five. the fans. I yeah. mean, I mean, like, who's the other six villain that they're going to bring in other than you know Venom? Um, but they're not going to bring. Well, I'm not saying that they needed a six villain. I'm saying that they knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah, and it, sure. it played out fine the way it was, but I think they damn well were pouring fuel onto the fire by doing it the way they did. And they, <laughs> they're they smart enough to know the questions people were going to be asking before we saw this movie. Everybody, yeah, I know. think it's more, a little more controversy in there. Yeah, I think it's more misdirection in, in a yeah. way, honestly. We're talking about who the sixth member of the Sinister Six is. We're not talking about the Toby and the Andrew of it all. I mean, obviously people were, but I think it was just another attempt to hmm. misguide you about what the actual storyline was going to be in this movie. That's a great point. I think like one thing yeah. I I thought about a lot since watching this movie, especially about the villains, because they're all just so well. Like Willem Dafoe is the definitive Green Goblin. Same with Alfred Molina. Um, but I've thought about it a lot, and I'm like, I don't under I, I don't really have an idea of how they're going to if we do get another Sinister Six or whatever in the MCU, how they're going to redo these villains. I guess in the time frame that we have, because we probably have what like three more movies with Tom Holland. I don't know how the, if they would introduce green goblin or doc ock like in that universe and how they would do it while after we've already seen this other universe's interpretation i feel like it kind of took some of the most of the villains off the table here's the thing here's the thing i want to point out that oscorp doesn't even exist in this universe yeah okay Uh, here's the thing like we've been talking about for years ever since i would say well for the longest time we've been talking about are they going to introduce you know harry osborne norman osborne into the mcu and and i think that this kind of for now kind of confirms that this is what we're getting as far as like the osbornes are concerned because they point out in this movie that it the Os- oscorp doesn't exist norman said he went to his home and it, and it wasn't his and he went to oscorp it wasn't there and there was a, a time that we thought as viewers when we watched, um, you know, Far From Home and we saw that, you know, they're doing work on, on the old Avengers Tower that it could have been sold to Norman Osborn. So now all bets are off that it's fucking Oscorp. Mm. It's like now all bets are on that it's a ba- it's the Baxter building. And, and I'm going to say it's, I'm going to, I'm going to come out and say that I believe 100% that it is the Baxter building. And let me get into that here real quick. Tom Holland in an interview with comicbook.com says he knows who bought Avengers tower. He said, Oh, that's right. They sold Avengers tower. Then he added, I do know who bought Avengers tower. (laughs) And that's, that's when Zendaya quickly stepped in trying to physically cover Holland's mouth, just in case some (laughs) other spoilers managed to slip out. Listen to this. How would Tom Holland know who bought Avengers Tower? I'm saying because, you know, they try to hide a lot from him because he spoils a lot. But John Watts is directing the Fantastic Four. John Watts was the director Uh, on this movie. That's a great point. And John Watts probably told Tom Holland who bought Avengers Tower. And that would be. Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four. Great, I think that's a great point. That the old Avengers yeah. Tower is going to be the Baxter Building going forward in the MCU. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. That's a great point. Does that not bum you out a little bit though? That we're probably not going to get a proper MCU Green Goblin. 
<laughs> yeah, it does. Because um, I was holding out a hope that in the future that maybe Norman Osborn as Willem Dafoe would just show up as a different variant in this universe. And that's mm. not going to happen. The host Harry thing, all that's not going to happen. They pretty much nixed the fact that Ned's going to be Hobgoblin. So, I mean, I don't even think you're going to see like a glider in these films. Okay. I also want to say that um, when they pulled Norman Osborn out of the Raimi-verse for this movie, he, when they pulled him out, he was definitely 100% wearing the goblin suit and on the glider because all those things show up in this movie. So they had to pull him out at that moment. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, there's, I guess there's still a chance that... Honestly, I feel like it's a perfect kind of like swan song for Willem Dafoe's character as Norman Osborn, but it's like that character still exists. Like mm-hmm. the stuff that happened in Spider-Man still happened, but there is a version of Norman that goes back that does, you know, raise Harry, the you know, and doesn't turn evil. You know, that and there's a there's a there's a Harry that doesn't become evil either and and eventually die in the arms of Peter Parker. Um if you I mean uh, Hulk uh Professor Hulk in Endgame talks about, you know, changing the past. He says changing the past doesn't change the future. If you travel to the past, that past becomes your future and your former present becomes the past, which now can't be changed by your new future. So basically, whenever you change the past, it creates a new reality. And we saw a lot of this mm-hmm. happening in like the Loki series. So Loki. when these villains are taking taken from like their branch timeline and put into our reality that we see here, a new timeline is created when they return home. So now like when they're sent home after Peter cured them in this movie, there's a new reality where, you know, like I'm saying, like Norman didn't turn evil. He raised Harry to be to be a good man and and Harry didn't become evil and die. Um, it's it's the exact same thing that happened when Loki and Endgame got a hold of the Tesseract and escaped. It created a new branch timeline for that character. You know, the TV showed up to prune that new branch timeline and that deviated from the sacred timeline. So the timeline that that Toby and Andrew come from still exists where they were attacked by all these villains. But even when Toby and Andrew go back into their timeline, it'll they'll be changed from the events of this movie. But there's going to be a timeline where they don't where 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 everything still happened. The way that it happened. I think like once this right. Andrew goes back to his timeline, that he's not going to be the, he's not going to be the same angry, you know, um, Spider-Man that he was the guy that was like, wasn't pulling punches anymore. You know, the rageful, you know, Spider-Man that he was out there on the streets. So there, I mean, yeah. I guess there's still a chance that we could get, uh, a Norman Osborn in the MCU, but that would have to be like a Secret Wars thing. I it, it just doesn't. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it a hundred percent closes the door. I I don't know that this Norman Osborn would necessarily know exactly where to look 
for his counterpart, Norman Osborne. I mean, he just went to the places that he had set his stake in from his world. If the Norman Osborne in this world is doing something that that Norman Osborne knows nothing about, that Norman Osborne wouldn't know where to go to even find if that guy existed. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think that Willem, I don't think that we're going to get Willem Dafoe back. Oh, no, and, Sadly. I and I think most likely this probably does shut the door anytime soon for having an interpretation of that character. But I, I also don't think it 100% shuts that door completely. I, I, it's a very famous character, and I think it, you don't have mm-hmm. to jump through too many hoops to figure out a way to make him still exist. Like, I don't think you'd have to yeah. undo anything this movie did. I'm not, uh, listen, I, I just don't think that we're going to see Holland, Tom Holland's Spider-Man fighting the MCU version of Norman Osborn. I think we're looking at 10 years down the road and maybe by the time they bring in a Miles Morales or something, it might be something oh, they're yeah. doing. I yeah, agree with that. Maybe he an Avengers villain too. Maybe they do stuff like how they did with Siege and Dark Avengers. Like maybe he becomes like the more of the Iron Patriot Norman Osborn and less of the Green Goblin, I guess. Yeah, or we could get a Green Goblin that's not even Norman Osborn. I mean, there's plenty of those in the comic books too. Mm. True. Uh, I want to... I do want to talk about, uh, um, but yeah, let's just talk about the villains themselves. I want to talk right now about Electro, and Electro shows up in this movie, and he has a full head of hair. It's not the comb over that we saw in Amazing Spider-Man 2 with the goofy teeth and the glasses and... I also want to point out that there's a lot of people saying that, like, oh, this is, you know, this is, this has got to be a variant version of Electro. Like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, like a lot of the events that happened in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 happened, but this is a, this is a variant version of Electro. And they're saying this because, you know, the Electro and the Amazing Spider-Man 2 didn't know that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. And like I said, he's not balding or wearing glasses and doesn't have the jacked up teeth. The, he's not blue either. But here's the thing. I want to point out there's there there's 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 one thing that he says in this movie that makes me believe that he's not a variant version, that he is the same Max Dillon that we encountered in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. He says there he's talking to Sandman while they're in Happy's apartment. And he yeah. says, you know, I don't, I kind of like, he doesn't want to, he doesn't really want to go back or give up his powers. He says, I kind of like who I am here. I think when he came into this world, it changed him. Yeah. He says, I kind of like who I am here. So it changed well, his physical appearance. Because when he, yeah, he, he acknowledges it when he talks to the lizard in the, the prison, like the lizard brings up the way he used to look and it's not like he's confused and doesn't know what the lizard's talking about i I think that scene itself solidifies that it's the same max well and and in amazing spider-man 2 doesn't he like just turn into pure electricity or some shit and like yeah just basically being reincorporated in this universe so he's kind of taking a, a form that is more to his liking maybe subconsciously well he when he when he comes back to being a human in this movie, because he does acknowledge that he's like, oh my god, you know, like I've got a body again. Yeah. And for some reason, his body is not like comb over Max Dillon, Revenge of the Nerds, fucking Jamie Foxx. 
It's it's Jamie Fox, Jamie Fox. It's <laughs> it's GQ Fox. I mean, yeah, yeah. When I when I saw this, the first thing I thought was Jamie Fox stipulated that in this contract. <laughs> I don't I don't blame him honestly. I here's the here's the other big point that I want to point out, and I don't have a hundred percent answer to this. That you know the spell happens, and it's only supposed to bring over the people that know Peter Parker is Spider Man. And in that movie, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Electro never learns that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So how, why was he brought over? Because even in this movie, when he's talking to Andrew later, he's like, you know, I always thought, like, I always thought, you know, like, you know, you help poor people, you had a mask on, <laughs> I always thought, you, you know, you, you were black. And I thought you were a black kid. And... I think that maybe somewhere down the road in that universe, he learned that Spider-Man was Peter Parker, but he didn't know what Peter Parker looked like. Maybe that's the only thing I can come up with. And so finding out that Tom Hardy as well. I mean, why would Tom Hardy get flipped over there too? Well, let's talk about that later. Let's, let's save because I do have an answer for you, but I want to save that for when we talk about the mid credit scene. I have an, I, I think I do have a definitive answer as to why Tom Hardy's venom was brought into the MCU for the time period that we saw him. Um, but, um, yeah, I love the new look of Electro and I love the new Jamie Foxx. I love the new look and I, the, the part where he's like, are we not going to talk about how I'm butt ass naked? <laughs> <I'd laugh>. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I really, really appreciated about this was that they had the the right villains accentuated, um, you know, with with uh, Molina and Defoe really being at the forefront. Yeah. But there was a really good balance that you got from the other villains too, and, and like that was one aspect of this movie that I was really worried about. But Watts was able to really keep this huge cast feeling like you got the stuff you wanted from them. In in the small doses that you got, but you and you were left wanting more, obviously. But it was, never felt bloated. It never felt like there was too many characters. That, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, overall. I yeah. I I love the scenes of them like in the Doctor Strange's prison that he had yeah. made for him, and they're all just all kind of talking and figuring things out. Um, I love the yeah. scene of uh, Otto Octavius and. Uh, Norman Osborn seeing each other for the first time. Like, they know of each other in that universe, but we've never yeah. seen those two characters interact with one another before. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah that was that awesome. Made a lot of sense too. One at a time. It made a lot of sense, too, because, you know, they're both pillars of the scientific community yeah. from their world. And then hearing... Hearing Otto recount back what happened to Norman was just <laughs> chilling, you know. Oh yeah. yeah, and then and then and then on the flip side, we had Flint Marco Sandman tell Otto that no, dude, exactly. you 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 fucking oh, yeah. you, you fucking drowned, dude. <laughs> and then they're they're then they're recalling like, you know, oh, I had Spider Man in my grasp. I was about to wait a second. I was about to, like I loved it when Electra was like, "Oh shit, I was about to die." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so did you um figure out the rhyme or reason as to like when they were actually brought over? Like, was there a consistency there? Was it like right before they died? Because that's the last moment they remembered Peter Parker as being Spider Man. Like, what was the logic behind that? We we will never know when they brought Electro over 
because in that movie we never are privy to like when he knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Um, we don't know about Sandman when Sandman's brought over. All we know about him is like, oh my God, he still wants to hang out with his fucking kid. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> um, fucking kid should be an adult by now. You know, do we, I don't think we know exactly when Goblin was brought over, but it was definitely before his death. I think like the closest maybe that we know is like, you know, Electro recounts, I, yeah, no, Electro recounts the moment where he was about to go, uh, like into full, like power mode and, 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 and absorb all the power. And then it was kind of like lights out for him. And then it, it, it seems logical to me that it would be the moment before they died for all of them. Well, yeah, 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 but then Otto Octavius, is he wearing the exact same outfit that he was wearing at the moment of his death? It looked like it to me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with Neil. It's weird with the goblin too, because he, he, like his suit is so shiny when he shows up for the first time. It definitely looked nothing like that when he was about to die in the first Spider-Man movie. It looks more like he got warped over during the Macy Gray concert than it does during right before he was going to (laughs) die. Oh God, I can't, I forgot about that moment. Yeah, it's definitely sometime after that Thanksgiving meal, you know, where he kind of comes to the realization <laughs> that, you know, Peter Parker is Spider-Man because he sees that cut on his arm. Yeah. Um, so we got all the, we got all the, uh, villains in the prison now. He catches them all. And Doctor Strange is wanting to send them back to their universes so they can all meet their fates. And I, I actually, I really appreciated this scene because it does line up with, with how Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange is. Like he doesn't have like the empathy for these characters uh, of a Peter. Like Doctor Strange in Infinity War told Tony at one time that if it comes down to him, you know, protecting, uh, saving Peter um, or or Tony, uh, if they're gonna die, he wouldn't hesitate to save the Time Stone over them, and. Like that really fits in with Doctor Strange. Like I, you know, like we know little about the multiverse. We should not have m- interactions with these characters, these villains. We need to like send them back to where they came from and just end all this. If they go back to that universe, they they die. And and you know, this is after you know, like Aunt May. Is is this is this after? Yeah, this is after. Um, Peter has met Norman Osborn and Aunt May is basically saying, no, you need to, you know, you, let's take care of these people. These people need help. They're lost. You know, Norman's lost. He's lost in his head. There's something wrong with this guy. And Peter's just like, no, you know, we got to send him back. And I think, you know, like getting away from all that and the respect that Peter has for Aunt May and <clears throat> him actually being faced with like what's going to happen to these guys and then hearing Norman yell out Peter and Peter's just like, it just kicks in. It just kicks in that he's got to save these guys. I love this whole battle between Peter mm-hmm. and Dr. Strange. And I think they finally like, you know, there's, there's times where we get lost in these movies and we forget how brilliant Peter Parker really is. I think the Raimi movies displayed that the best, you know, of how smart he is. Uh, but 
I really think that John Watts and, and the writers finally showed how brilliant Peter is in this movie with like the whole fight between him and Dr. Strange and the geometry of, uh, of what's going on in the mirror universe and how he outsmarts Dr. Strange. I really loved that, man. I thought I, and, and whoever did, whoever fucking figured that out to where like where he was whipping his webs and it would fucking lock up Dr. Strange and trap him. And he would be able to not only take the, uh, the machina dichotomous box that Dr. Strange created, but also fucking take the sling ring off of him. I was, Yes. Like, uh, it was so fucking it was such a fucking cool scene and then locking Doctor Strange in the in the mirror dimension for twelve hours. <laughs> I love it. I loved it. I I, I there's times I, I really feel like the MCU has kind of like forgotten how smart Peter Parker is at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, you, it, yeah, it's just it's another kind of way the con- this movie was a return to form for, for the character of mm. Peter Parker and Spider Man. What was that? Absolutely. The most Spider-Man scene was like when Doctor Strange was like, yeah, sorry, they got to die for the greater good, which actually like makes sense. But then Peter's like, Strange, have a heart. Like he's like, I'm going to do whatever I can to save these people, even though they're like villains or whatever. Like that is, in my, in my opinion, like the, es- the essence of who Spider-Man is. And you got to see that on full display in this movie. It's like, wow, he's really learning. He's really growing. Also, when you talk about the geometry thing, it's like the difference between that scene and then that scene in Homecoming where he's like tying the boat together. It's like in Homecoming, it's basically just like, okay, Karen or whatever. What, what am I? What am I grabbing? What am I? What am I webbing? But this one, he's like, okay, wait, I can use math to do this, and he does like geometry and yeah. saves. I guess saves the day. I guess, and I'm like, that is really cool. Like, I really loved that scene. It, it was really cool. I loved it. just the way that the webs kind of like came out of nowhere, and the way that they tied up Doctor Strange. And uh, I loved when he does the final pull on the webs too. Like when the mirror universe <laughs> kind of flattens from his like final yank. Oh the yeah, special effect and the sound there are just so awesome. Yeah, yeah. When the the, the mirror universe kind of crashes into one another and kind of like explodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was dope as shit. That was I love the beginning of that fight too when Doctor Strange blasts him out of his body. Yeah. And and, and the Spidey sense is still in full effect and he can't grab that box out of his hand. Did you notice and the lines coming off of Peter? That's what I was just gonna say. I love the way because it seemed like they were animating like the spider like the the Peter Tingle, the spider yes, sense. Yes. And it was it was so cool the way it was done because it looked just like in the comics. You it know? did, it did. Like uh in the in the comic books, um he used to have like the little squiggly lines coming off of his head. And if you watch the movie, you do see the squiggly lines coming off the astral projection of Peter as his body is reacting uh, and moving the box so Strange can't grab at it. And I just, I <laughs> back into his so body. Funny. And I love That's how Dr. Cool Strange detail. is just like, how are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Great Benedict acting too. Like just his annoyance <laughs> and his facial expressions really drove home the comedy there. Right. I thought, Oh yeah, God. Sure. Yeah. He was, he was fucking great. Um, how cool did yeah. all that look in 3d? Pretty fucking cool. It looked amazing. <laughs> it looked, that was like the part that I was waiting for in 3D. Um, because after, after the, after the first showing, me and Jake kind of looked at, Jake was like, Oh, I'm going to see this in 3D, uh, tonight. And I was like, Oh, I'm seeing it in 3D tomorrow. And I, I looked at Jake and I was like, Oh my God, the Dr. Strange scene. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we're just, that was the scene that we could not wait for to see in 3D. Yeah. And it, it, and it did live up to the fucking hype. And uh, another thing that I love, 
about these movies and they did it in the Andrew Garfield movies and they did it a little bit here and they've done it with Tom Holland in the past is kind of like the sometimes it's not it's not 100% POV. I love the POV stuff that we got in the Garfield movies. I thought that that was awesome. But this was kind of like we just got like the the headshot of Peter and it's almost like yeah. it's almost a POV shot and as he's swinging at the beginning with uh when he's carrying MJ and swinging her around the city. I love that kind of shit because it's like, you know, like you always think like, oh, if I was a superhero, I'd want to be Superman to fly. But like, if you were Spider-Man, of course you would want to know what it's like to thwip around and swing around the city. And like, oh, yeah. that's the closest that we can get as viewers in the audiences to give us those really cool, uh, POV shots. And they use them sparingly, but when we do get them, it's super fucking satisfying as a Spider-Man fan. You know, I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, it feels like a roller coaster. Like, it's not like Superman just flying straight. Like, it's got this visceral, like, bungee cord going up, going down, going up, going down. And it, when they do those Terrifying. POV shots like that, it, it really drives home, like, the dynamic that's actually happening. Have you seen the new, it's, it's for a car commercial, the Ionic 5? Have you seen the, it's the Spider-Man No Way Home Ionic 5 commercial that's out right now? I don't oh, think yeah, I, I did. He's hiding out, like, in a, He's hiding out in a, um, uh, like a motel room and he's trying to get, he's going to get back to the city and, and he, you know, he shoots his web and he's literally like in the desert. There's nothing there to like latch onto. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like flat ground. And so he just, start, he, he's just like, I have nothing to swing back to New York city with. And so he just, you like see him seen in uh, the first one. He's just like walking with a backpack down the road and Ned picks him up in the ionic, <laughs> in the ionic five. <laughs> it's the and then it it's dies the, and there's no charging station around, so it's the same situation. <laughs> it's the, the first time I saw that, I thought it was like a teaser trailer, yeah, uh, yeah. or something new. And I was watching it, and then when it turned into a car commercial, I was like, "Oh fuck this!" <laughs> I loved it. I love. I loved it, Joe, because it's the same car that Happy was driving in this movie. That I was just like, "Oh, oh I didn't catch that." <laughs> it's the same car that Happy was driving, and I was like, "Oh my god, this car looks like it's so fucking futuristic." It looked like it looked like fucking like the total recall cab or some shit. I was like what? Johnny Cab. It's Johnny Cab. What the fuck is going on? That car is so dope as shit. It's just it's really cool. It's like the Apple iPhone of cars or something. <laughs> um let's talk about let's jump into um uh the Peter wants to cure the villains. And so I love the fact that he tries to cure the villains by himself at first. And, and, um, I just love the fact that he needed other Peters to, to get the job done. But I, I still like the fact that he fucking, he tries to get it done by himself. And, and he succeeds with Doc Ock. Yes. Yes. He succeeds with Doc Ock. And, Oh, and I also love the fact that when they're trying to do all this, like, Lizard is waiting out in the truck, and it reminded me, <laughs> it reminded me of King Shark waiting in the fucking, yeah. <laughs> in the truck in Suicide Squad while they were all in the bar. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that was a great scene. Um, 
I I had I had a feeling, especially like from the leaks and stuff, that Norman was gonna was gonna turn, but um I really enjoyed like the tingle scene in this one and how long it really yeah, took for absolutely. him. Yeah. yeah. Finally we such got a some real it, spider you know? uh spider scent stuff. That was amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I loved how they captured it. So he's just walking around, and it really captured that you know, like he's surrounded by his villains. Yeah, so it's like which which one of these can I suddenly not trust anymore? It was that knives out moment, you know, very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like anybody could be the villain here. It really took his spider sense, especially with Norman being so fucking, you know, uh, such a. A, a lying trickster wily uh, as he is it, it took them it took his spider sense a long time to figure out that it was norman that was going to be making the move here and that fight oh my god i really loved how john watts and the writers of this movie that fight that they have and and and, and fucking green goblin is just like pushing him through floors and walls out the window. Spider-Man is having to use his web to latch onto Norman's chest to pull himself back in. And there he's being, he's being punched through floors and lizard is attacking him. He's got all these villains attacking at the same time. And I like the fact that they really pointed out, like he can't do this alone. You've already sent Dr. Strange into the fucking mirror universe. He's gone. Nobody's there to help you except for Aunt May. And this is like one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, you find out how human somebody is. Even though Aunt May is like very heroic in what happens here in this whole scene. And Aunt May is trying to do the right thing and help Peter. You know, she's human. She doesn't have superpowers. People that are around Spider-Man are vulnerable they're vulnerable to these powered beings that can fucking these super powered beings that can kill them. And we find that out in this moment and we get Aunt May's death here. And uh even though like I read in leaks that this was gonna happen, I there were there were things in the leaks that were wrong though. There were leaks that saying Aunt May died. There were also leaks that said that Ned died in this moment. Um Yeah, I, I saw Happy even dying in this moment potentially. I didn't see any happy deaths. I saw I saw Ned was the one that was gonna get blown up by the bomb. Um but I also saw that Aunt May was gonna die in this movie, and I, I also heard that Toby was gonna die in this movie, and at the end of the movie that that Andrew and Peter are gonna be at Toby's grave. There's a lot of different mm-hmm. leaks that were out there, but um and they're hard to keep straight, but um the, when when Aunt May dies and she starts to like look at her hand and go down, did it not look exactly like when Peter was being dusted and Iron Man had his oh. hand behind his head? It really like mirrored that moment for me. Oh, like shit, yeah. Peter's on the other end of this now because there's a moment where like mm-hmm. Peter looks at his hand and and he's like, I don't feel too good, Mister Stark, you know. And he's like, he's starting to get dusted and. And he's falling back and like, it really reminded me of that moment. Like that Peter's on the other end of this thing. Like he's losing his aunt May in this moment. And oh my God, that moment hit me really, really fucking hard. And I love how seriously they took it. They took it. Like they played it so straight. Like even with the happy, I went, I thought happy was going to die when he was pulling up in his car. I'm like, oh, this man is about to get shot. Like I, I was afraid for happy in that moment too, but they played it so straight 
after such a visceral fight too. I mean, I know we get a we get an even more intense one later on in the movie, but this one was like some of this stuff was brutal. Like the when he's like holding mm-hmm. him, I think it was this scene when he's holding him, he's like Spider-Man's on top of Green Goblin and he's like punching him in the head like 10 times, like trying to like bring him down, I guess. You're just like, "Oh my gosh, what am I watching right now?" I think and people for- that was just like I think people forget that fucking the goblin also ha- was injected with like, you know, this fucking serum that made him like superhuman. Yeah. yeah. It was like a super soldier, like a failed super soldier serum. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I think people forget that. Like he's fucking strong as shit. And yeah. I mean, so brutal. Yeah. So well done. Yeah. Oh, to be able to hold your own against Spider-Man, you have to be super strong. Oh my God. It was, uh, when when Aunt May when Aunt when Aunt May got hit by the glider and they kept kind of pulling it off that she was okay, I was like, she's gonna go down. Mm-hmm. She's gonna die here. She's gonna die here. And uh, but I loved it mm-hmm. that uh, we finally get the line of uh, and it's 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 slightly altered, but she says, "With great power, there must also be great responsibility." And uh, Jake, you remember the reaction of our crowd? When she finally said that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people loved it. People ate that up. And, and as well, they should. Like, it, it mm. was long overdue. And, um, but yeah, worth saving if this is how they were going to finally deliver it. Yeah. 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 That was the moment I teared up at. And also, the line, I think, is actually comic accurate now because I think that the actual comic line from the 60s is there must also come great responsibility. But in the Raimi ones, he just says, like, with great power comes great responsibility so i think that's really cool that they like brought it back to the original like quote for quote delivery i think that was really awesome that's when i cried i was like oh you might be right because like there's like this mandela effect where everybody thinks that you know vader said uh (laughs) luke i am your father and like that's not the line you know (laughs) so (laughs) yeah (laughs) what an amazing scene yeah it's a great scene and um i think that um Rissa Tomei played it very well. It wasn't like a typical death scene. It was like, you know, kind of realistic in the sense that like you're losing blood and you don't even know you're dying type thing. Yeah. She she was in shock. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What a perfect way to display it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say it was just a great scene. And I felt like both times when I watched that movie, especially the second time, because I knew what happens after that scene, like it really felt like, um, you were getting a new Peter Parker in that moment, like the one that we've mm. been waiting for. Yeah. Mm. What a super effective way to do it in the MCU also, because in these previous movies, you know, Peter loses Uncle Ben in pretty much the first act of that movie. And so as an audience, you don't really have that much time to connect to Uncle Ben and feel the loss as deeply as Peter does. And with losing, you know, Marissa, to- to- Marissa Tomei in this third movie, you know, we had two other movies where we got to like, she was so endearing to us on so many levels. And so and it's like civil war too. Yeah. And and so I really feel like we, we felt that loss a lot more acutely because of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we were able yeah. to connect with that character. And, and I, I know there was always griping about there never being that, uh, uncle Ben moment in the previous two of this trilogy. I, I, I applaud them for, holding it back to this moment because it as joe was saying it, it just you were able to connect with that character and it just makes it way more powerful when it and when it's not expected too i feel like there's a lot more people as far as like the i guess like the uh the internet communities that i was kind of like following and stuff like that there was a more of a 
of a thank God we're not getting another Uncle Ben death on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and but Neil, I guess to kind of like go off of what you're saying though is how important the line is though. You yeah. know, with great power comes great responsibility, and how like that needed to be, you know, part of part of Spider-Man's DNA as a character, whether it is in, you know, the, you know, the, the Mark Webb films, the Sam Raimi films, it, it needs to be in the John Watts movies as well. And they corrected that here and we got those lines. And I think after three movies, it was way more satisfying. Yeah. yeah. This, and am this I, way. Am I just mistaken? Um, he does have an Uncle Ben, right? He does. He does. Yeah. In in the on movie the suitcase, right? In the suitcase in Far From Home, where he's going to Europe, the suitcase has the initials of uh, of uh, Ben Parker. Yeah, That's and I think cool. there's also a photo in like Homecoming or um, Civil War where you can see there's a man in the photo with them. They just kind of cover up the guy's face. I think. Hmm. Yeah, so for, yeah. For, for future casting purposes. If, yeah, yeah if they ever decided to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm one of those people that was right there with, like, the majority that I saw saying, oh, thank God we're not doing the Uncle yeah. Ben thing again. I think a, a lot of it, though, didn't have to do with a dislike of that storyline. We've seen how, it. And just the speed that they were rebooting the, these Spider-Man yeah. movies. Like, Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. came out so soon after Spider-Man yeah. 3, and then Homecoming came out so soon after Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think that had a lot to do with it. I, I think if oh, it's, sure. like, Batman length Great in between point. these movies, that it wouldn't have been such a big deal, but we were just like, Oh my God, it's been less than 15 years and we've already seen it twice. We please not again, but it, yeah. we still needed that like tragedy or that knowledge of tragedy or just, you know, being able to connect with that character and something really horrible that happened to him that, you know, this movie finally delivered. For well, I, I, I just love the fact that it's like all of them, you know, Toby, uh, Andrew, uh, no, excuse me, yeah, Toby finishes his, his sentence later on when he's, when he's, yeah. when he's going over what his Aunt May said to him and he finishes his sentence. And I think that's where some of the leaks were confused. Some of the leaks were saying that it was actually Toby that was going to give him the with great power comes great responsibility line. And I think they were getting it confused with the fact that he just kind of finishes the sentence that they've all gone through this. I, I, I loved that scene so many so many different scenes like oh my god i'm just fuck it i'm gonna jump to um when all three spider-man are (laughs) at the top of the they're 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 hanging out the scaffolding before they battle you know the, the the five villains um and they they're talking about you know like um you know, what are the, uh, Tom asked him, like, what are some of the craziest villains that you fought? I just, oh God, that's the kind of shit. That's the kind of shit that I feel like, you know, like Kevin Feige giving notes on things. I yeah, feel like yeah. those are, those are notes that come from a fucking fanboy, right? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like, like when, when yeah. fanboys, like those are the, those are like the moments that we fucking live for. Like those moments where, you have finally three different <laughs> Spider-Men in the same vicinity together and they're asking each other these questions and they're, they're talking about like what they've experienced in their different universes. And I feel like, Oh my God, like 
they got it so right here. DC mm. better be taking some fucking notes when they have Keaton and Affleck meet for the first time. <laughs> you better be, yeah, okay. you better be yeah, taking fucking notes. It. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, you're, you're, oh, uh, okay, Tristan. Man. Yeah, you're spot on as far as just the notes and, and adding that conversation because from like a screenwriter's perspective, those scenes did not have to be in there at all. Like it didn't no. further the story or anything. It was, it was purely like, you know, what we would be wondering. What would they say to each other yes. if they saw each other? And those, and, and it was extended. Even the scene with Ned in, in there, you know, talking about the best friend and all that, that didn't have to be in the script at all. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you want to, this is what we would want to be a fly on the wall and observe mm. if they're talking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is the stuff that like fanboys, this is what we want. This is, those are the conversations. You don't have to take the, you don't have to take a moment in this movie to show that, old toby mcguire spider-man needs to fucking like you know have his <laughs> have his have his back cracked you know and, and we get it we got a scene we got a scene in this movie with andrew garfield cracking the back of toby mcguire that's amazing that fucking slayed me that was like on every so meta level too because it's not just because he's old it's like the toby injury McGuire's back problems are pretty legendary well yeah like, he, yeah he suffered back well, injury uh, both times uh, yeah, I mean, well, the Jake bat- Gyllenhaal was almost Peter Parker in Spider-Man 2 because Toby was so messed up from, from I think, Seabiscuit. It was Seabiscuit. Yeah. yeah, he got injured on Seabiscuit. Yeah. So I, I love the fact that they that they threw that in there. That was really <laughs> Yeah, that was cool. hilarious. I, Raimi does the same in Spider-Man 2 when he uh, his powers are given out and he falls in the alley. Like the first <laughs> line you hear Toby yeah. say is, ah, oh, my back. <laughs> <laughs> I loved I, I didn't even think about that connection. That is so funny. The the amount of screen time that all the Spider-Man got was like pretty perfect in my opinion. Like I would I mean I obviously want to see more, but I felt like they were in there more than I expected and I was really happy about it. Like I they oh, could have yeah. easily put them in there for 5 minutes and be like, "Yo, like I'm with great power, you know, that's the thing." But no, yeah. like they got you got Andrew saving Mary Jane, you got all these interactions talking about the rhino suit, like Andrew being like, "Hey, I love you guys." And they're all just like Okay, like sure, buddy. <laughs> or like the discussion about the web shooters. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I was so yeah, glad yeah. they put that in there. Oh yeah, it weirded out. That was. Loved, uh, comes out of you. I loved Andrew explaining to Toby how Electro was made, and Toby just kind of being like, "Yeah, that'll that'll do it." That'll do it. <laughs> okay. Or when Sandman and Electro are like, oh, "Man, God. we gotta stop." Like people fall into things. I loved it. Yeah, like. Like he, uh, fucking, uh, Sandman was like, yeah, I fell into, I fell into a, like a neutron collider or something. And then <laughs> fucking, uh, Electra was like, yeah, I fell into this. I fell into it like electric eels. And they're like, yeah, we got to stop falling into shit, you know? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> you got to watch where you fall. Oh, it's yeah. so good. It's so good. That brings up a, that brings up an um, observation I made when I was watching how campy these villains are and how they, they kind of brought, some of that campiness from the previous trilogies over and it still felt good like it didn't feel yeah. off you know like it they was, were still was, able to blend that campiness into the mcu yeah yeah it was campy in the right ways uh yeah. almost it was like it, it allowed the actors to have a little more freedom with their interpretations of these characters like they, they were allowed to be even more over the top because it's uh, they're from a different universe who gives a shit so yeah. it, like it really allowed these actors just to kind of go for all of 
the things. <laughs> like it was yeah. so beautiful yeah. to watch. Like especially you know with fucking Willem Dafoe just really going for it. And it, it oh my was gosh, yeah, so much fun to watch. And it showed like why the camp, why the Raimi films are so good because yeah. as a such a masterful director doing using the camp in the right way, people will like time goes by and they're like they're so corny. But now you kind of get still some of the same vibes in this movie and it works because like I guess that writing style for those movies and stuff is kind of timeless. And you really see that in full effect here where you're like the the jokes they're making a lot of the time in my opinion don't feel like the standard Iron Man quippy MCU jokes we get. No. Like I think we get a lot of different jokes in these movie in this movie specifically that made me really happy. It's like wow, this feels like Spider-Man. This doesn't just feel like Iron Man or like a Hawkeye joke. Well, or even a, some of the jokes that weren't even intended to be jokes, but it's a wink and a nod to the fans when you know Norman Osborn <laughs> says I'm something of a scientist myself. Exactly. Yeah. My pure audibly cheered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People stood up. Oh God! Yeah. Like every I think I think my first audience and my third audience went wild over that line. So. Um, yeah, that, that's a line of meme legend. Oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad Randy was consulted too. Like you could feel. I would say at least for a trilogy is so legendary is that like you really want to honor and you really want to do yeah. right by such an important thing. Like, it's, like I'm 22. Those movies were my childhood. Like I remember when Spider-Man three came out and it was the biggest thing ever. And so it's like for all those people that that trilogy is so important to, they really, even they even honored the amazing Spider-Man stuff. I mean, all the discourse I'm reading is everyone being like, we need an amazing Spider-Man three. And I'm like, no, we don't. but, but yeah. I'm glad you asked like, Andrew as much as I do. Like Andrew's the goat, but, but it makes it kind of like wraps a nice little bow, especially on Andrew's trilogy. You know, you yeah. get that close you didn't get before. Also, the, with the right writer. That, oh, sorry, Neil, go ahead. Uh, the way that Toby Maguire's Spider Man was pep talking Andrew Garfield, <laughs> like oh, really, so on so many levels, it just felt like, hey, we love you. It was everything else. We love you, though. You're good. Well, I didn't well, you that's are so amazing. Brilliant. He kept saying it was so meta because he said you're amazing, and he, that's yeah. the yeah. that's the that's the and he was and it was like and and Andrew was like thank you. I needed to hear that because a lot of the fans <laughs> and Jake. I would like Jake's. I would hope that I would hope I was hoping that Jake would give a public apology, not. For the previous performances, but just give a public apology to Mister to a former follower of Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> it's, it's actually it's actually on my notes. I, I saw this movie twice the first day, and one of my thoughts while driving home from the second time is, "Boy, I'm an asshole." I, I, I was <laughs> I was very much way more mean to Andrew Garfield than I ever needed to be. Um, so yeah, I will publicly apologize, and uh, I don't think it's going to bring back a follow. No, it's it's, it's the <laughs> it's the least I could do. Andrew Garfield, famously, for our listeners that have been listening to us for years, Andrew Garfield famously followed our podcast on Facebook, and uh, I've sh I've revealed screenshots of him following it. I don't know if you guys saw those screenshots that I posted, oh, yeah. but it looked, I remember that day. It looks legit. <laughs> Like <laughs> the best thing about Garfield too is how much of like like where Toby I mean from what I read in interviews like Toby was like yeah I didn't really care about the character but I read like a hundred issues of the comic to prepare Andrew was like no I 
I feel like I was born to play this role. This is my favorite character. Like he's a he was a massive Spider-Man fan, and to get stuck with such bad movies. I mean, the first one's fine, but like the second one yeah. being so bad, like that just sucks, man. And he's yeah. such a good actor. He's like, a he's great so actor. Yeah. And I'm so glad that this movie made people be like, oh wow, he wasn't the problem, you know. And that made me really happy. <laughs> oh, if you could put the right writer on it with the, the 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 level of success of of Andrew Garfield's redemption arc in this movie with the right writer, I would love to see an Amazing Spider-Man three. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I mean- no matter how good the writing is, Peter Parker should never have hair like that in a fucking Spider-Man movie. <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, I think my issue is that it's like he's so perfect for like college 616 Peter. But they're like, no, nah, we're going to throw this really cool, awesome, like great actor guy in high school. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't really fit for high school Peter. Like, yeah, he I, feels like college Peter. I will say that Andrew Garfield had the best Spider-Man suit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Easy. I, I love his fucking suit. And even his suit in this movie just popped. It looks so good. I, mm-hmm. I love. Giant eyes, man. I, yes, that's what I loved about it. And the fact that they kept it that way and like you could tell which Spider-Man when they were battling mm-hmm. on, uh, yeah. the, the, the Statue of Liberty, um, the new and improved Statue of Liberty, um, you could, t- <laughs> you could totally tell which Spider-Man was with Spider-Man. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah. It made me appreciate the Raimi one, too. Like, it made me appreciate it more. Garfield is my favorite because I like big Spider-Man eyes. But I was always kind of like the Raimi one was all right. But maybe it's just because it was CG or something. But it popped so much in this movie. And I really appreciated the Oh, I love the, I love the Toby suit. But my God, I, I really <laughs> – I love how – I love how kind of like McFarlane, the, the mm. Andrew suit looked. In my totally. Opinion. That's yeah. totally what they were going for. Yeah. Like bagly, bagly eyes. Too. I, yeah. I fucking love it. Um, I also really like the uh, suit that uh, Holland makes at the end. Oh, God, yeah. yes. It's gorgeous. I fucking love that suit. Finally, though. we're getting a non-Stark Tech uh, Spider-Man suit that's not yeah. the uh, oh terrible homecoming one. I am so excited. And the, oh my gosh, it made me like, I like squealed when it, when you, and it's some of the small things, but like the, the fabric of the suit at his sewing machine. I was like, mm-hmm. that's yeah. what I wanted. Like, let him yeah, like, do something by himself. And, like, the red is red, oh. blue is blue. Like a Ramita, it's like oh, a Ramita yeah. senior suit, basically. And I was like, it is perfect. Oh, yeah, Zach, Zach so Snyder cool. would have been like, that suit is all wrong. this movie has too many jokes (laughs) Zack Snyder is not a stockholder in Crayola let me just say that I love Zack I love Zack Snyder but the guy does not like colors um, uh, even in, but in Watchmen, I feel like Watchmen, as dark as it was, I felt like it ha- had some pretty popping colors. And then I guess everything else after that was just like, let's make it black and white, basically. Yeah, saturate I, the shit out of it. I love yeah, Watchmen. I love Zack Snyder, and I love Watchmen. Don't get me wrong. Watchmen's uh, awesome. Watchmen's fucking dope as shit. Um, I th- none of the spy. Jake, shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I was I was laughing at my cat. My cat came in and just started yelling at me. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah. I'm joking, Jake. I'm just joking. Um, that yeah, that's a joke for OG fans of the podcast. Um, um I love the, the they they try to you know they're battling on the Statue of Liberty and they're they're trying to cure all these villains and they're out of sync. You've got you've got Spider-Man swinging into each other's webs. Nothing is working out. And the youngest of the Spider-Mans when they all kind of like reconvene is talking to them about how like 
you know, uh, the Spider-Men have never been on a team before. They've always worked solo. And Tom brings up the fact that he worked. He's he's been on the Avengers. <laughs> and and Toby's like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Who are the Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good he that Is performance that was so great right there. He looked so excited. Like, that's great what is that <laughs> there's a during the moment where they're not very good at teaming up there's a really quick joke that i didn't notice until the third time i saw the movie where andrew gets some of toby's webs yes. in his face yes and he goes he goes, he goes ew yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's gross that was really funny i did not notice that the first two times i i did notice it actually every time and he goes ew because it's like yeah. organic webs it's like getting like a face full of jizz or something to him yes. like, does it, it comes out of your wrist does it come out of anywhere else uh, <laughs> hey, i've always had right <laughs> so I love the fact that Ned is able to like bring them into this world with the sling ring. And I want to get to Ned a little bit later, but uh Ned is actually the one that brings them into the world with the sling ring. And I love the fact that, you know, MJ's like, you know, once they bring Andrew in and they have that comical scene where he's like stuck to the wall and crawling. <laughs> That's the best. And I love, so I, I, I love Ned's grandma. She's so sweet. Um, bread oh, too. Well, yes, throw the bread. That whole thing. Um, okay, Brian, you just said that Ned brought them into the world. My understanding was that they came no, in. No, 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 no. The they are. No, okay. I, I'm wrong. Yeah. They came in at the same time of the villains. They just couldn't find Spider-Man. They were, right. yeah, uh, I, I apologize. Um, Andrew says that he was there yesterday. So he didn't pull him in from the multiverse. They were actually there. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just, Open portals. Yeah, exactly. I misspoke. Um, there, uh, a lot of people are, are like, okay, then why didn't we see, you know, why didn't we see Mary Jane? Why didn't we see both Harry Osborns? They also knew that, you know, Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Well, Doctor Strange does reveal, there's a line where Doctor Strange says, that, like, you know, before I was able to contain the spell, that a few of them slipped through. So, not everybody slipped through. So we know everybody that we saw in this movie, you know, even in the mid credit scene, we, we got to see a glimpse of everybody that slipped through, um, but not everybody did. So, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Tristan. He didn't bring him into the world. They were, they were actually there from the day before. Yeah. Really Toby mentioned see. that he was, uh, that he already knew who Ned and, and MJ were, and he was looking for them. Yeah. He knew who they were. He was watching TV. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Neil. Oh, uh, I was just going to say it was really fun to um, to see Ned using magic, uh, especially later on when the cloak rescues him and like he's got the cloak billowing, he's got the sling ring. It's so much fun uh, with Jacob Battle on <laughs> doing all this crazy shit that he has no idea what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> let me just let me just say this: like I was going to bring it up later, but I'll bring it up now since we are talking about Ned. What are the chances of Ned, you know, Ned brings up in this movie that, uh, to Dr. Strange when he first meets him that, you know, he, he feel his, his, uh, grandmother says that they might have magic in their family and sometimes his fingers tingle and Dr. Strange says, oh, you need to be checked by a physician. But <laughs> he also, you know, he's able to use the sling ring. Dr. Strange seems a little kind of like impressed by that because he's like, you were able to, you know, you, use the sling ring 
you know, we saw him with the, we saw him with the, you know, sort of supreme cape on at one time. Are, and are, are they setting up Ned to possibly be a future sorcerer and maybe have training at Kamartage? I would like to see that. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. I think there definitely is some connection with Ned being able to do these magical things. I mean, not perfectly by any means, but enough to get him to operate and that line about there being magic in his family. I don't think that line was an accident or just a joke. Yeah, yeah. So so do we think that we will see MJ and Ned come back into Peter's life again sometime in the future? Let's save that. Okay. I want. I do want to. I, I do want to talk about that, but let's save. Let's save that. What I do want to see if we do get like a Ned leads like going to Kamartage training for magic kind of like thing. I I want if it does happen if we see him become going to Kamartage uh, to, to train to be a sorcerer. I want to see Ned. <laughs> talking to either um, Jimmy Wu or Scott Lang and them doing the card trick to, to Ned. <laughs> Jimmy Wu, please. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I guess let's jump into... Can we break real quick? Oh, I knew it was going to be Jake! <laughs> Yeah, let's take a we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We are Venom, and if you don't join the Pop Culture Leftovers Patreon, we will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs, and then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. Head over to Patreon.com. Enjoy now for only six dollars a month. All right, hey, we're back, Jake. How do you how are you feeling, sir, after the break? A lot better. A lot better. <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> Fan fucking tastic. I was doing the eight year old pee pee dance there during the last fifteen minutes of convo, so I needed that. Okay. All right. Well. uh Let's see. I do want uh, you know, when the, when the Spider-Men are all having that conversation about like the villains, the wildest villains that they fought, I love, I love how, you know, Toby brings up that he fought an alien made out of black goo. Uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man talks about how, you know, he fought a- an alien as well, but he also fought an alien in space that was purple. <laughs> And then Andrew is just like, I am so lame. I fought a guy in a mechanized rhino suit. <laughs> a Russian guy that killed me. Oh, yeah, that slayed me too. I was just rolling at that stuff. Oh my gosh. It's and so, that, I think right after that is where he gets the validation from Toby. Yes. I just think it's so great that even Sony can kind of laugh at itself it can find yeah. the jokes within like the movies that they've put out um you know when you do stack up you know like toby and tom's series <laughs> against the andrew series and like yeah it, paul giamatti in a fucking mechanized rhino suit <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I didn't i didn't realize that sony had that kind of self-awareness and it was really refreshing to see it yeah it was great 
It was great. The whole battle takes place at the the new and improved Statue of Liberty. And uh, if you notice, it has kind of like the uh, – it, it doesn't have that green oxidized look. They've, they've uh, given it like uh, – uh, cleaned it. They've cleaned it. It looks more like the copper color that it originally yeah. looked like, you know, when we, when we got it as a gift from France and it doesn't have that, uh, green oxidized color of being out in the elements. And, uh, they've added, of course, the Captain America shield to it, which ends up falling down. <laughs> and I love that. was the, such a bummer that it I, fell off. It, I was so sad. I was, I, I actually, I like, it's sad that it fell off, Ben, but, the fact that it um, – that the battle between Tom and the Green Goblin takes place on the Captain America shield and there's a moment where Tom comes down with the glider and he's going to fucking kill Green Goblin and it reminded me of that scene where Captain America is holding up the shield as Iron Man is like blasting him yeah. in Civil War. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it's yeah, it's true. it's reminding me of that civil war scene between those two fighting, and it's actually taking place on the Captain America shield. How fucking dope is that? <laughs> that is so it's awesome. I was like, I was hoping Super that they cool. would like when they showed the Statue of Liberty again, like after the time skip, kind of at the end. I was like, man, maybe they're working on it again because I'm like, that would be such a cool little detail to have the shield up there. But the end fight scene on the shield was absolutely incredible. It was a really cool set piece too. Like I saw, I saw a, a tweet about it. and It was a great tweet. They were like, "I loved how you could get a sense of space in the way this was filmed, the way the, the fight scenes happened. Like around the Statue of Liberty, you felt like you knew where everyone was. Um, you had a lot of great set pieces. Like it was really well done, especially in this movie. Yeah, uh, it was the best Statue of Liberty superhero fight scene since." X-Men 2000. <laughs> I have a question about I was that gonna say it's, the, it's, it's the first only good Statue of Liberty action sequence ever in a movie. Yeah, Jake. I have a question. Mine was 100% sarcasm. That oh, was, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. X-Men 1, wasn't, weren't they like standing in the torch? Am I wrong? And then in this one, like they're basically on top of the torch. Like it's super tiny. Is that not how – is the torch really big in real life or is it tiny? I don't really know about the Statue of Liberty very much. I've never been to the Statue of Liberty. I thought they were in her crown. I thought, oh, yeah, that no. might be right. They were um, in the crown and then uh, Wolverine does that spinning claw move around one of like the crowny, <laughs> thorny things coming off the top <laughs> oh, of her head. I was sitting in the theater for like the whole time being like, dog, am I wrong? I thought the torch was really big. That actually makes a lot more sense. Thank you. Oh my god. Um Dylan, uh Max Dylan when he gets cured uh talks to Andrew Garfield and I, I, I do you think, you know, we talked about this earlier where he thought that Spider-Man uh would have been black. Do you think that oh my god, one of the funniest things in my theater. Um he's like you he said something like um you would think that in all these different universes, there's got to be a black Spider-Man. You got to think a black Spider-Man exists. There was a little boy in my theater that yelled out, he does. Oh, are, are you serious? Oh, yes. Right. Yes. Right. Oh. I'm not joking. Uh, the ex almost exact same thing happened in my theater. A little kid sitting behind my little brother in the back theater yelled, there is. Yes. He said that line. I'm a little kid. I'm so serious. Yes. The kid said that in my theater too, in this like little kid voice. And I was just like, oh my God, you parents that are taking your kids to into the spider verse, God bless you. And yes, literally I 100% believe, and I'm going to say this now, 
I do believe that the final, I do think that Tom Holland will come back for another trilogy. And I think that that trilogy will end with Miles Morales entering the universe mm. and passing the torch to uh, Miles Morales. I think that Tom Holland will pass the torch to an actor, a, a young Miles Morales going forward. I think that, I think the final uh, film that's, that Tom Holland is in is, is gonna be a, a passing of the torch to a, a young Miles Morales in the, in the, that'd be awesome. Going forward. I could see it. Be I, I really want to see the two of them exist together for a bit though. No, they it's will. It's, I think, one movie. I think that that movie will be Spider-Man. I think that that's gonna be, you know, like in the comics when Miles Morales came in, we had the Spider-Man comic. I think that what that, a good book. I think that movie might be titled Spider-Man. They could do it. We could see Spider-Man. Lover back, too, as Prowler. Prowler, yeah. That'd be so awesome, man. Too bad they didn't get Shamik Moore when they did, because he would be a great live-action one, too. Not just yeah. the voice. I like the, the kid from uh, the kid from Swagger would be really good. Oh, yeah. No, that's good casting. Yeah, I think the kid from Swagger would be a fantastic Miles Morales. There was a, a long time ago where... Uh, Glover wanted to do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. For a long time. Yeah. That's how Miles Morales got created. Was Glover's campaigning for it? Really? Oh really? Real? Created? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, it's um. He saw an episode of Community where uh, Glover was wearing the Spider-Man pajamas. Huh. That's awesome. That's yeah. Fantastic. I had no idea. That is great. That's amazing. Okay, Neil. Spectacular. <laughs> that, that's that's so web of. Uh, yeah. That's oh, a real untold superior tale jokes of. that we got. Oh, superior jokes. Oh, superior Ooh. jokes. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, okay, so uh, Ned. Uh, freeze Doctor uh, Doctor Strange from the Mirror Dimension unknowingly, and uh, Doctor Strange uh, has the uh, the box, and he's getting ready to send everybody back. And uh, it has uh, it it'd been, it'd been taken from the Green Goblin. He put a, a pumpkin bomb in it, and it blows up. Here's the thing: for as much as like I can go back to like fucking 2002 and I hated the look of the green goblin sometimes, you know, like the, the power ranger elf look and the pumpkin bombs didn't look like pumpkin bombs, but I think it, they, it's aged so well that I love mm -hmm. the look of those old pumpkin bombs in this movie. Mm -hmm. it, does that make sense? It does make sense. Absolutely. I think Raimi was a little bit ahead of his time with the design of those pumpkin bombs. Like he took a chance by not doing exactly the thing that everyone wanted from the comic book. And I, I think it looks modern now. It looks retro and modern at the same time somehow in these new movies. Yeah, I agree. Now, when 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 the box explodes and we see the spell get released and we start to see like the figures coming through all the all the people Every creature, whatever, that knows that Peter Parker's Spider-Man from every multiverse dimension. Uh, I saw a few familiar figures. There was definitely, it looked like Kraven the Hunter holding a spear. Mm. I definitely saw uh, a large-looking rhino. And I'm not sure, but there was another, it, not a Doc Ock, but there was another creature that had like multiple limbs coming out. 
I'm pretty sure I saw a scorpion. I it might have been scorpion. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely saw that like silhouette of like the tail over the head. For yeah, that character. absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um. So how happy was Paul Giamatti right there that he was going to get to come through and <laughs> be in the movie? I- MCU money. <laughs> oh my god! If they ever have like a proper rhino, who would you want to be? Like they've got to just get like a huge, like muscular dude to play that character, right? Like a Batista type guy, you know, like or the like fucking the guy from the Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, the fucking the mountain. mountain. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking smaller. For some reason, the first name that popped in my head was get Vin Diesel to be the rhino. I was thinking the same thing. Oh, God. Let's get Daniel Radcliffe to be the rhino. Um, <laughs> Diesel. Jeez. God, everybody's like, let's, let's get the fucking tiny, spindliest little guy to be Wolverine. It's like, God How about damn Timothy, Sh- Timothy Chalamet is the rhino? Yeah. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> if, there was a, if there was a Spider-Man villain called the Mousy Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Rhino has to be jacked, though, because I, I think most... He's a fucking rhinoceros! I know, but it's, it's the, the suit! suit though. It's, it's the, the suit, suit. I, Okay, all right. If you wanted to add a bunch of CG effects, then fine. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I want, You're going to put him in a costume? I want... I want... I want... I want a, I want a believable Rhino. I don't want... You want fu- the Brian Singer X-Men 1 Rhino. I don't want fucking... I don't want them to fucking cast, like, fucking, like, Adrian Brody as the Rhino. <laughs> uh, I understand... I, I, I get it. He's got a big fucking nose, but let's not fucking... <laughs> yeah, Adrian Brody's our vulture. Don't get confused. Jesus. <laughs> that <beat. laughs> <laughs> I think he could be like I think he'd be kind of chunky. I don't know, kind of muscular, but I think if the suit's doing most of the work, you know. Oh, I yeah. you, like, I'm right there with Phil's Phil. rhino opinion. Yeah, I, I want I want I want Rick Moranis to be our next rhino. <laughs> that would, whatever it takes to get Rick Moranis back on my screen. Whatever it takes. Rhino Amen. with giant glasses. <laughs> I fu- I hate all of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, uh, man, fucking Willem Dafoe, when he gets injected with the goblin cure and he realizes he's like, what have I done? Like, dude, that guy sells it. He sells it every minute in this fucking movie. His performance was like Joker, was like Joker level, not like the the movie, but it's like the character. I'm like, wow, this one. And people always talk about Green Goblin, myself included, being like, this is Spider-Man's greatest villain. This is like his Joker to his Batman. And I think that at least most audiences really get to see that in this movie where it's like this guy can hurt Spider-Man the worst and is insane. And Defoe just sells it. Like Heath Ledger level villainy. It was... you brought it up earlier, the faces he was making when he was getting punched in the face. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, this man is a... And in his dialogue, when he's like, Norman's on sabbatical, you're like, oh no! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, that was so... Norman's on sabbatical. Oh, it's so good. Like honey or something. Or like, so oh, good. Like, Whoa, it took a turn. I was, I was so there for it. 
I love the acting during the scene when he crushes the mask. I, I love that we got a moment like that. That's some of my favorite stuff in the original Spider-Man movie is him talking to the mirror, him talking to the mask yeah. on the chair, and just him him having that level of communication with the mask and seeing both sides of Norman at once. Like It's kind of like the Gollum trick before that, you know? I was hoping that yeah, they absolutely. would have a moment where they'd play that Michael Jackson song. I'm talking about the man in the mirror. I'm asking if he changes ways. Right? A little moment like that with Norm. I'm going to shut up. That was terrible. I think just oh. said your singing was one of his biggest disappointments. Yeah. That's, that was, no. No. I love your, your singing was great, Brian. Uh, one of my biggest disappointments in the movie was, and it's a small thing, but was I really did not like very much his updated green goblin appearance like with the goggles and the and the tattered purple hoodie like it was fine and serviceable but i was i was like man since that mask is broken maybe we're gonna get like more of an animated green goblin like mask or face or something like that uh but it, it yeah, just looks like i, I don't I think know, that you like goblin i don't think that you want to cover up that fucking willem dafoe face though like we That's don't point, yeah you know we've got it you know Go ahead, Neil. I think the, the costume was a little similar to the Vulture costume, but it worked for me in 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 kind of where this character was coming from and what resources he had available. Uh, but yeah, you, you cannot cover up the Willem Dafoe face. Ever, oh my god! Ever. If if fucking if if Gillette ever came out with like Spider Man razors, I would want one to look like the glider. Oh, that would be fucking awesome. Dude, I, I'm not kidding you. Like, if they thought, I would shave my face with one of those motherfuckers. Don't get me wrong. Dude, the second you said that, the meme with Fry holding out the dollar bills just popped in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love all of the uses of all of the old villains, like, technology in these movies. Like, they're super faithful. How you get to see him kind of, like, controlling the glider from behind Aunt May again, like we did in Spider-Man yeah. 1. And then how Doc Ock on the bridge scene, like what in Spider-Man 2 when he tries to stab Aunt, or I guess tried to stab Peter with the spear, like hit him behind his back, he actually stabs Peter in this one. And I was like, when that impact happens on the bridge scene, when he's when he stabs his chest, I was like, did Peter Parker just get stabbed? I was so confused. And then he removes it, and you're like, oh, he had his Iron Spider suit there. And I'm like, man, they really brought back like the really small details from those movies. Yeah. It felt very faithful. I loved uh, Doc Ock when he showed up to attack two of the Spider-Men as Electro's shocking them and tricks Electro. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then puts that like fucking electricity damper on the Stark reactor, uh, rips out the Stark reactor and then puts the electricity damper that was awesome. on his chest. Um, so this Doc Ock goes back to his universe with the power of the sun. He takes the Stark yeah. reactor with him, right? Yep. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Super I loved cool. the uh I loved this the short little exchange between Toby and Doc Ock and he's like, "Oh man, like you've grown up. Like, how are you?" It was such a genuine like <laughs> it was such a genuine <laughs> moment. I it just made, it put a smile on my face. Like, oh, man, yeah. so everyone good. is really giving their all and like giving these really believable performances. It made me well, really and, happy. And they're they're all coming from a, from a place of love too, because mm, it yeah. seems like everybody like really truly enjoyed playing these characters. But they, some of them kind of got a little bit of a short shrift, and, and this was a way for them to kind of redeem themselves. I mean, obviously Andrew Garfield is the biggest example of that, but even like Jamie Fox gets oh god yeah the character the way he wants to do it. And it, it was it was just kind of cathartic to see all these 
big name actors who were kind of fucked over in their movies mm. get another chance to to do these characters the way they wanted to do them and that they were finally allowed to do. Yeah. It was just really really cool. It, it was perfect it, it, to see this bow tied, you know, at the end of these and and get these other movies wrapped up because who would have ever thought that we would get that sort of finish for yeah. for either of those, you know. Yeah, it really it gives validation to those other movies and I it, it, the rewatchability factor for you know the Raimi films and and the uh, you know the uh Mark Webb films are like skyrocketed skyrocketed absolutely <laughs> yeah. like it, I think it, Sony's about to make a fuck ton of money from those re-releases Well we've seen oh, Marvel man. we've seen Marvel do this with you know like in 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 Endgame and also in WandaVision yeah. they've given rewatchability to Thor the Dark World and also with like Age of Ultron with like like yeah. the, the Wanda scenes and in, in those movies and stuff like that I mean they did it here with Sony and their and their franchise as well and I think like that's that's awesome I I love the fact that we can all kind of like go back and even watch like the two Andrew Garfield films and appreciate them more. I, I, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that like the second movie is like better now, (laughs) but at least I can, I I know where it's going to end. I think, you know, like this is, this is a good way to kind of like retcon what they, what they felt was like a failure and, and they were able to fix their own mistakes. Yes. In a way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, I hundred yeah. percent. It took a lot of humility to do it the way they did it too. Like props to them. Yeah. Like we talked earlier, well they had, they had to admit to the shortcomings that originally happened to be able to end it as well as they did. And they were willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's hard for some people to do. I think of how much pressure Warner brothers has seeing all the money this movie is making, knowing that they're going to be kind of doing the same trick with the flash <laughs> movie with yeah. the Michael Keaton and the Ben Affleck of it all. And I mean, you know, not to be a hater, but it's hard to imagine they pull it <laughs> off with as much grace as was done. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right on that one, man. It's uh, it's impossible to imagine. Uh, I don't think that they really have to apologize though for like what we got from Keaton's performance in those movies. I think no, it's No, no. No, apology not needed, but still just doing it with a cohesive plot that just feels natural, mm. that doesn't get in the way, that it's still going to be a flash movie even though obviously the main event is seeing Michael Keaton again and it's just got so much work on its plate to be a yeah. good flash movie with the way they're billing it. I mean, already with just one teaser sizzle reel, they couldn't keep the cat in the bag. I mean, and that's already different than what we saw Sony do here. Like we're already seeing, Oh, it's the Batmobile. It's Michael Keaton's voice. It's, you know, it's, yeah, they're not going to be able to help themselves. We're going to see 70% of the appearance probably before we see the movie. Even I well, think, uh, you know what? That's not really the Batman movie. I'm kind of like most looking forward to. I'm looking forward to. Oh Batman. no, Gosh, no. Dude. I just bring it up. Cause Pattinson. it's so simple. Pattinson. It's just it's just easy to compare kind of with yeah, what they're no. doing with the multiverse of it all. Yeah. I get no Bring no. Up, yeah. That's why I brought it that's, up I brought it up earlier. So yeah, they yeah. they've got that's the, definitely Go ahead. That's that's definitely one thing that this movie does really well is that, you know, a lot of the focus is on all this other stuff. These other Spider Men, this these these villains, uh Doctor Strange like those are all big elements in this movie, but it still feels at its core that it's Tom Holland's Spider-Man movie. Yes, yes. And, and like 
that balance that that they're able to strike with, with adding all this stuff in. You know, I mentioned it before with the balance, but like it just it bears repeating that this was a feat. Like this, this was something that should not have worked, right. and yet it worked mm-hmm. incredibly well. And at two and a half hours. Yeah, and it still yeah, feels seriously. like a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, but you got all this other stuff. Do you think Tom yeah. Holland's ever been to Holland? <laughs> Absolutely not. I would guess. I would guess he has now. <laughs> Was that far from home scene shot on location? <laughs> all right. How could you not go? You got Tom Holland money. Your last name's Holland. You're going at some point. I know someone brought. Yeah, I know someone brought it up earlier though. This was definitely Holland's best performance. I think out of okay. any of the movies, like that the look, the face acting on his face when they're on the shield in that final showdown, which was so such a brutal fight. But like the look in his in his eyes and like the way he's like kind of more looking down and looking back up at him and you see like this like look of pure like anger on his face i was like man he's really bringing it yeah. this this film like i you really it he really sold me it, it, there wasn't a moment of like weak weak delivery i got a question from- i got a question for you here when he uh when he puts the new and improved chip on doc ock and for a moment there doc Doc is not responding, and he keeps saying, Doc, Doc, did you think that that was an audition for Back to the Future? (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't be mad at it. Oh, fuck you, Finn. You never, never, never. Never want a Back to the Future reboot. Never a Back to the Future reboot. Never. That is blasphemy, sir. Ever. Ever. I'm I'm impressed Finn knows what Back to the Future is. (laughs) Okay, okay. Mission Impossible from the 60s is a little different than one of the most 80s films of all time. We we, we, just say they are a little different. We talked about that off air, so nobody knows that, Finn, that we had that conversation about. (laughs) Oh, my bad, guys. You know what? Let's just say I didn't know. Anyway, I am one of the people... (laughs) Back to the Future should never be rebooted ever. ever. I don't yeah. care. To the Departed. I don't care who you get into the to the role of. Uh, what about a sequel instead of a reboot? No, Neil, I shut the fuck up. That was that, that was not great. I don't want to see a Back to the Future. Ghostbusters sequel. Afterlife was a blast. I want to hear Neil's Back to the Future four pitch. No, no, no. I mean, I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. Like, would you be more amenable to Tom Holland continuing the role, not rebooting it? No. Of Marty McFly. No. No. I, I just, I, I don't know why we're, t- I, I, I should not have brought this up. I, I, <laughs> I was trying, man. I brought up the acting thing. I was ready. Um, let's talk about, uh, so, um, Peter requests that uh, Doctor Strange now, instead of like at the beginning of the movie, he said, I want everybody to forget, you know, that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Um, now he's basically saying, what if everybody forgot about Peter Parker? Would that stop? Would that stop this from happening? And uh, Doctor Strange says, yes, that that would stop this from happening. Um, Peter comes to the realization that MJ and Ned... And everybody that knows that he was Spider-Man is, they're gonna remember Spider-Man, they're just not gonna remember Peter Parker. And, uh, Doctor Strange, even, I love this part, because there's a part where Doctor Strange says, 
everybody who knows and loves you will forget you. And he says, you know, weed. And then he stops himself. But then he finishes his sentence. He's like, you know, weed forget. You know, and he's ba- Dr. Strange is admitting to loving Peter here in this moment. Yeah, I love that he notices he did, and he's like, "Fuck, yeah, I know." <laughs> Take that back. I I fucking I loved it. It fucking I I thought that that was just a a beautiful moment because when Doctor Strange casts like even Doctor Strange himself is going to forget this. He casts these runes, and it's like it doesn't matter that you know he's the one casting these runes. It's not like he's going to remember that Peter's Spider Man. Everyone's going to forget that Peter Parker is, uh, that, that they're not going to forget Spider-Man, but they're going to forget Peter Parker. And there's a lot that we need to talk about when it comes to Peter Parker now and this spell. And I really want to kind of dive into the whole forgetting spell here. Before we get into that, I would like to say that, I really, really loved Benedict Cumberbatch's line reading of, of this. It, it just, like, there was so much behind it that you could really feel, and it was probably my favorite Doctor Strange moment that I've in, in all the movies that he's been in so far. I would definitely agree. Yeah, it, it just was, it was just so well done. And, and Benedict Cumberbatch is a very, obviously, very skilled actor, and, and, and just the all the the weight behind that line where he does stop himself you could feel all the character that he had built up over all these movies yeah just everything pouring into it and it just it's such a momentous moment and it, it, it totally fucking worked and it was just beautiful yeah yeah benedict cumberbatch has really come a long way with this character. I love the first Doctor Strange movie, but I, I really, I love how the character has kind of evolved over the, you know, over the course of, you know, these last few movies that we've seen him in, you know, from the, from basically saying, you know, I'm the source of Supreme and I'll sacrifice you and the kid. And he's talking to Tony and yeah. now to like fucking like, you know, he's gone through the, through the, through battles with, with this kid. He loves this kid. It's like a band of brothers, kind of like, you know, like soldiers fighting side by side. You know, that, yeah. that, that fucking Endgame movie, dude, that movie <laughs> is so amazing. You know, all the heroes coming together, the sacrifice that, you know, Natasha makes, the sacrifice that Tony makes, the sacrifices that they all made to bring everybody back and they all did it together. And, uh, the, the, just the 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 arc of Doctor Strange has just been so good. Yeah. It also kind of perfectly aligns with his uh, comfort with the character. You know, like that first movie, it felt like he was just still trying to figure it out. Yeah, and yeah. at this point, he's he's realized who that character is, and he's totally comfortable being that character. Well, in when movies when he comes back and from the from the portal from the mirror dimension, he's like shocked that peter is curing these guys you know and yeah and, and like oh oh fuck he's like he's literally witnessing like 
Kurt Connors, the lizard, you know, becoming human again. Like Peter's plan is working. He's like, what plan? What plan are you talking about? Um, I want to talk about this spell though. So basically at the end of this movie, you know, we find out that, you know, the spell goes through, you know, uh, uh, Peter has his last moments with MJ and Ned says goodbye. He's going to find them. He's going to tell MJ that he loves her. He's going to, he, he's going to, you know, he, he makes these promises to MJ and Ned. And, um, you know, he does, he, he visits, uh, you know, Aunt May's grave and, and, and Happy Hogan's there and Happy Hogan's like, yeah, oh, I was introduced to her by, by Spider-Man and, oh, and, and, you know, Peter Parker's basically, yeah, that's how I, that's how I know her too. Nobody knows who he is. And, uh, we see that he creates a new suit from scratch that he makes on his own. And, and I love the scene. We see the, we see the, uh, um, he, he's, he's made the suit. So we see like the sewing machine there, but we also see the Palpatine Lego figure that Ned had <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's sitting there. And what's the other thing that we see on the top of that little, you know, desk is okay. the, the coffee cup. Yeah, the coffee cup that he got from MJ. Um, you know, when he when he does visit MJ, but the forgetting spell. What is okay, the so basically the world remembers everything Spider-Man, but they don't remember Peter Parker. So I want to point out that when Peter Parker goes to visit MJ at the restaurant, she still has she's still wearing the broken Black Dahlia necklace that she got from Peter in far from home and it's still broken it's still broken like it still got broken from the battle with mysterio mm-hmm. but she has no memory of getting that necklace from peter parker so it how does this work like how does this work Did, were mj and ned rejected originally by mit but everything still played out like in the movie peter talked to the vice chancellor who convinced the admissions to let them in did this still happen or did it not like i think in their memories that would not have happened because the only reason they would have been rejected would was because their association with peter parker well happy has an association happy hold on hold on happy has an association with peter parker because he remembers meetings well he has an association with spider-man with spider-man he yeah. rem- well but i think if these people were to search back in their memories or if or if mj were to look at that he doesn't and say where did i get this i don't think she would be able to remember i okay i agree with that but okay god this is so fucking hard to to explain happy remembers meeting aunt may through spider-man so they met at so happy never gave him like the the suit he never gave peter the suit because they they shared a room together right in civil war and he gave him the suit i'm trying to figure out like did he just meet peter through like the feast charity event and and that's how he knows him or like it feels like the Mysterio stuff still had to have happened. Do Ned was Ned still the guy in the chair for Spider-Man, but just never knew his identity? Did that's a great point. I don't. It's, it, yeah, it's really murky. Like, it like is. what happened to the YouTube videos and everything that 
has all the footage, what happens to J. Jonah Jameson's What happens to the that. Flashpoint book that Flash wrote? Right. <laughs> That's magic. It just all changes and goes away. D- but, but does it? Because the, 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 the neck, hold on, hold on. The necklace oh, doesn't go away. The necklace is still there. Like, if magic changed everything to have it go away, the necklace would be gone away. Right? Yeah, but the, the, the sentimental memory of that necklace has gone away. Yeah. I think it's all still there. You just can't, you just can't see it or focus on it. You can't register it. it. Right? Could be it too. I like that. Your mind just can't register it, right? Like, yeah, it's all, it's all perception. It's, yeah, you can't, you just cannot see those things. You did they, it's not like a blurry spot either. You just don't even focus on it or notice it's missing. Cause Peter Parker, Peter Parker still exists. Yeah, and it's a forget. It's a forget spell that right. messes with people's minds. It's not strange. Didn't have the time stone, and he specifically says that. So there's no altering like on that level going on. I think it's all in people's minds and perception. It's like they live. Like if you put on the fucking glasses, you would see that these YouTube videos and Flash's book and all this stuff still exists. None of it went away. Yeah, and yeah. I think, but I guess we'll get a little murky. Is, is, proof of that that's kind of like yeah. how you know that's the case we as an audience can see that she may not even be know that necklace is around her neck for all we know you know well i mean she might see the necklace and just like that's the thing it's like no it no it's special to her but can't really place it yeah it, it's it's special it's her something be- that she always has yeah she always wears but she doesn't really know why because she can't physically look inside her memories and understand why it's special to her. Exactly. Like I, I feel like yeah. Spider-Man was still like a member of the Avengers and fought. I don't know who he is. Exactly. Yes. Everything happened. It's the, whatever happened, happened. It's just, they don't remember it happening, but it did. It didn't change time or change events. Like, they remember right. Spider-Man. They just don't remember Peter. Exactly. It's like he never took off his mask. Right. He was dealing with them. Instead, he's just and that's like a such a face. yeah, yeah. That's such a genius um, way to kind of not necessarily retcon, but I think correct something that I always had a gripe about with the MCU Spider-Man was that he was just so loosey goosey with his ID to everyone. Yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, said. so I'm, so like now we're in this position where he's basically like kind of like Tobey Maguire at the end of Spider-Man One in a sense, where he's just yeah. alone. No one kind of knows who he is. And that's the the Spider Man that I was always waiting for. Does okay? Here's a question: When Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker returns home, does Kirsten Dunst's MJ not recognize him? Oh, if that yeah. were like an unintended <laughs> consequence. Yeah, I'm, I, I thought about yeah. that too. I was like, oh man, he fucked up Tobey's family. <laughs> I would say no. I, I think Strange cast a spell only in their universe. Is my guess. Well, I mean, he cast a spell in our universe that also brought in everybody that knew Peter Parker outside of the multiverse. I think That's it's too true. complicated for them to. He said, <laughs> he said the multiverse is something that we know very little about. Yeah. It just seems yeah. like too much. Well, in theory, if he was able to cast the spell without Peter interrupting him at the end of the movie, then, you know, they said it all right. What if, okay. Anyone? I like it though. I, there's definitely a chance that he fucked everything up again. What mm-hmm. if? What if? Okay. Would anyone that happened to be 
in the quantum realm at the time that this spell was performed, would they still have knowledge of Peter being... Hold on. Would they still have knowledge of Peter being Spider-Man? Because, like, you know, in the quantum realm, space and time are believed to be irrelevant. And what if Scott Lang just happened to be in the quantum realm while this is all happening, and in a future team-up movie, Scott Lang sees... Spider-Man, it says, hey, Peter. That would be a lot of fun. That'd be a great character. Yeah. I was really hoping that he had at least one person that could at least hold on to those memories for him, whether it be Doctor Strange or, you know, the Ant-Man thing. That's pretty cool. I think we'll find in a future movie that that is the case. Would the Watcher forget who Peter Parker was? Jake, would the Watcher forget who Peter Parker was? I'm going to say no. He would not. This does not affect the Watcher. Yeah, I, I, the Watcher, like his whole jive is knowing all the ins and outs of everybody. Like how how is he going to tell his what if this person was Spider Man instead of Peter Parker's story? Like I think he always gets to be in the know. I agree with you. I was just asking. I do agree. Yeah, with it's, you. It, I love it. I love the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about. Uh, Tom Holland's future Spider-Man. I want to read an article here from Time Magazine. Uh, producer and former Sony, Sony executive Amy Pascal recently said they plan to carry on with the partnership. Quote, this is not the last movie that we are going to make with Marvel, she told Fandango. We are getting ready to make the next Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and Marvel. We're thinking of this as three films, and now we're going to go on to the next three. This is not the last of our MC movie, MCU movies. But Holland has been more circumspect about whether he'll return to the role. Quote, I think if we were lucky enough to dive into these characters again, you'd be seeing a very different version. It would no longer be the Homecoming trilogy, he told Entertainment Weekly. We would give it some time and try to build something different and tonally change the films. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But we were definitely treating No Way Home like it was coming to an end. And it felt like it. In recent days, Amy Pascal has even walked back her comments. Quote, as long as Tom Holland wants to make Spider-Man movies, we will make Spider-Man movies. Pascal told Variety. But I'm a producer and I always think everything is going to work out. If I have my way, we will. So, um, I kind of just wanted to point out that I feel like what they've done here is exactly what we saw the MCU do after the events of Iron Man 3. The events of Iron Man 3 ended at the end of uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, contract with Marvel Studios, and they kind of had to wrap that whole thing up with uh, Iron Man getting rid of all the suits. Do you remember, like, you know, like... Oh, he, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. He, he, he wasn't under contract with them anymore, and... So they had to write themselves an out, kind of like had to, yeah, Solo just, and Empire Strikes Back. Exactly. Like, I, I feel like Amy Pascal is like... We, I am all in on Tom Holland Spider Man. These movies are 
fucking we're making money hand over fist with these yeah. movies they're so happy with him they're very happy with him they're very happy with their relationship with marvel studios but there's nothing you know there's no contracts written like i i think he is under contract to do like one more final mcu appearance which a lot of people are thinking could be doctor strange in the multiverse of madness i happen to think that the way that this movie ends, he's completely separated himself from all MCU ties as far as like MCU characters showing up. Like, I feel like, you know, a lot of people have thought that they've used the MCU as a crutch. The first movie, they included Iron Man, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. Second movie, we got Nick, Nick Fury being a big part of that. This third movie, they included the MCU character Doctor Strange. I feel like with him going into college and being more on his own, that it's going to be a Spider-Man centric story with the next trilogy. I do firmly believe that Tom Holland's going to be coming back, but I don't feel like they're going to use the MCU as much of a crutch in the next few films. Agreed. And Uh I, I think by the time that this next trilogy is completed, Maybe we'll see Tom Holland show up in Secret Wars. That'd be cool. Yeah, I buy it. And they turn these Spider-Man movies out so fast. Like, you got to figure Secret Wars is probably anywhere from five to ten years away. Yeah. Shit, it'll probably only take him six, seven years to spit out another Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy, especially but, with the money that's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's funny that they had an entire Spider-Man trilogy in between the two Guardian of the Galaxy movies. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, like they, uh, I mean, they got rid of everything. They got rid of Ned. They got rid of MJ. They got rid of everyone in the MCU knowing that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Even his fucking Iron Man suit, the Iron Spider suit is gone. Everything is gone. Good. Happy's gone. Yeah. Everything's gone. So it. I feel like... You know, Jake, some of the complaints that we've had about the first two films are the fact that it relied too much on the MCU as a crutch. And now it's like, yeah, they're fucking the training wheels are gone. Spider-Man is on his own. And yeah, it's going to be more of like a Spider-Man centric trilogy going forward. But he's still going to be set in the MCU, in my opinion. It's just we're not going to see the MCU influence bleed over into this until his final team up movie, I believe. And, and, um, and I'm fine with this. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Excited. They let the story. They, oh, I was going to say they let the, like kind of get too big for its britches a little bit. Like Spider-Man, it would make no sense to do like a grounded Craven storyline or any like Spider-Man underground stuff, like with the giant MCU connection. But now it would make perfect sense with no one even knowing who he was again. Like a Craven storyline would fit in. You have time for that. Right. Yeah. yeah he's, he's like legit set up now to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and just be handling yeah. low level stuff around New York City. Well, let's talk about yeah, what. I- oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Tristan. I can see that being also um, a little intentional on Sony's part as well, because I don't know if negotiations with Marvel, you know, were were as positive at the, you know, while they were making the film or if they knew exactly what they were going to be doing after this film. So I think they wanted to set it up in a way where he's not so tied to the MCU just in the event that, you know, they decided not to make more films with Marvel. 
Yeah, this thing's going to make over a billion dollars, though. There's no way they're not going to continue that relationship. Thank you. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with Joe. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy to even think that a couple years ago we weren't even going to get this film. Can I, can I, let me throw this out there and I want to, uh, let's get to the, uh, the mid credit scene here because first off in the mid credit scene, I, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to get to the mid credit. I think that Tom Hardy's Venom character is going to be doing his own thing in his own universe, but I fully believe that Morbius is set in the MCU. Yeah, it makes total sense. Well, Otherwise the vulture traveled Vul- universes. Thank you. Vulture's there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Tom uh, Tom Holland Spider Man could definitely meet up with Morbius. I think Craven could be in this universe already, and I think that they want to set up. Okay, let's talk about the the, the mid credit scene in uh, the Venom Let There Be Carnage mid credit scene. We see Eddie in a hotel room um, as he joined the symbiote hive mind, and I'm going to explain how. Why Venom was even, why Tom Hardy was even in that fucking bar, uh, talking to the bartender. Um, Venom says in the Let There Be Carnage mid credit scene, 80 billion light years of hive knowledge across universes would explode your tiny little brain to Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock character. And across universes could mean multiverses. So like, when Venom sees Peter on the TV during that mid credit scene and says that guy and he licks the screen, the symbiote hive mind could be accessing memories of Peter across the universes, the multiverse, and the symbiote hive mind is remembering him. Yes, this Venom hasn't encountered Peter Parker, but the symbiote hive mind with 80 billion light years of hive knowledge across universes one of them might know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, which would then bring this version of Venom. This this version of Venom might be able to slip into this universe. So now, does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, So when... Eddie Brock is sent back into the universe and we get the, we, we get the scene of like a little bit of the symbiote left there. Um, what is that noise? Who is fucking inserting a, <laughs> somebody is like putting a VHS tape into a VCR right now. Justin! <laughs> Guilty. What are you, what are you, what are you, what are you, are you, are you, are, are you organizing your VHS collection? <laughs> Uh, no, I didn't know I was on, on not on mute. My bad. Uh, it was Tristan. It was Tristan. <laughs> we, I, I've been, I'm I've been, I've been, my back to the future. Nothing impossible. VHS. Uh, <laughs> what are those? What's a VHS, guys? Oh, God. Don't even get me started on Betamax. Um, I'm unaware. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, oh, I also want to point out the bartender at the bar. Was football is life. Football is life. It's Chris. <laughs> football is life. It's uh, actor Cristo Fernandez who plays Danny Rojas on Ted Lasso. So I love that. Ooh, I want to start Ted Lasso. Actually, continue. Apologize. So good. You should. Yeah, you should. So now that Peter doesn't have his Stark tech suit anymore, yes, and he only has his homemade suit when he goes to college. 
he might welcome an upgrade like the black symbiote suit, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think? I mean, oh, very it, much so. He doesn't oh. know that the black suit is the same alien that Toby Maguire fought. Toby Maguire yeah. mentioned it, but Toby Maguire never said that the black goo that he fought fucking you know took over his suit. So this version of Peter Parker, Tom Holland's Peter Parker, would have no knowledge of the Venom symbiote. I. I fully believe that the Venom symbiote is 100% going to be a part of a, of a future Tom Holland Spider-Man oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. I cannot wait. I, 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 at this. I, I also think that uh, Black Cat is going to be in the next trilogy. Oh, totally. Yeah, you know totally. what? Yeah, I, I could even see them possibly bringing in other love interests because they purposefully made mj and ned move to another city yeah well here's the thing with 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 mj he uh he fully is going to read that letter to her he wants to read that letter verbatim to her and there's the moment where she moves her hair over to the side and he sees the the bandage on her forehead and he asks her if it hurts but there's this look on his face where he's even got the letter. He's still got the letter out. He's going to read it, and he sees the bandage, and that's when he puts it away. He has this moment of realization that she got hurt, and she could get hurt again if I if I, if I, mm. if I do this. And that's why he puts because the letter away. Yeah, it's like he still is going to read that fucking letter, but as soon as he sees that bandage, he puts it away because he realizes that the people that are close to him get hurt. So, mm-hmm. I do think that yeah. there, there there could definitely could be other love interests, and I I agree with with Black Cat possibly being a, a part of the of uh, the the Spider Man universe going forward. That would be so great. I know Jake started to say this too when we were talking about the Venom stuff. Like when that I I wasn't really I'm not into either of the Venom movies to be honest. But so when this when the post credit scene started happening, I was like, come on, what a waste of a scene! Like, what is this? And then when you see the goo get left over and it moves, like me and my whole row just screamed. We were like, let's go! Like I was so so hype. I cheered. I'm so yeah. excited. I, I cheered for that story. as well. I was shocked. I was. A hundred percent betting that we were going to Tom Hardy versus Tom Holland ASAP, and for them to choose not to do that and leave Spider-Man some goo here, I, I was very excited. Well, it's it's curious that he says like, you know, <laughs> leave Spider-Man. Some goo. He left Spider-Man. It's a great. Goo. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think it's really interesting though that like right before he gets. You know, sent back into his universe, he's like, "Oh, we're, we need to go talk to this Peter Parker." And the the leftover like fucking venom residue on that fucking table, like that's the last thing that it fucking heard. Ooh, that's was, so smart. Yeah, that I I believe that that goo, in order for its survival, that part of the venom symbiote for its survival, it has to you know, find a, a proper host. And I feel like the last directive it had was to find Peter Parker. We're going to see this thing go on its own fucking journey to get to, a, to Peter Parker. That's a real interesting twist on the, uh, the whole symbiote storyline. Yeah. Black suit, the black suit saga like that. That's a, a really elegant in universe way for them to get to that point. 
that doesn't involve you know some random occurrence out in space mm-hmm. or some shit. It, it, it actually makes a lot of sense, you know, in this current reality we're living in with these movies. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And it, and it depends on when I guess we get the black suit stuff in the movies because if Fantastic Four is introduced before then, we could have Reed Richards like analyzing the symbiote like he does in the books. I think that would that's be really true. cool. That's true. That's true. Especially with John Watts being a part of this, and then mm. John Watts being the director of Fantastic Four. Yeah, that would be awesome to see him actually have to go to the Fantastic Four to get it off once he realizes that it's an issue. Yeah, just seeing seeing that chemistry would be really fucking cool. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if the weird though that like ninety nine point nine percent of the symbiote like disappeared with Eddie Brock? But I mean, I understand for for story wise, they wanted to leave some of that symbiote there so that they can do black suits. How much, how much of the symbiote, how much of the symbiote virus or the, the symbiote itself was, 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 uh, left with, with carnage when that, how, when that happened in Let There Be Carnage? Like it was just basically like, it was just a little bit of blood that he took on, right? Yeah, so, but I was just thinking that it's like, if, I, if, I, I, if this spell is sending people back, that it's just send all of you back. Specific, well, exactly. I would, I would, I would just send yeah. most. But we're talking about a multiversal symbiote that's able to. And, and that—that's yeah. the—that's the same thing I come back to, dude. Is that because it's a multi, you know, universal symbiote and has access to this vast hive mind? Does that just mean that the majority of it just chose to go back? It just hitched a ride with Eddie Brock, but then it left some of itself behind to pursue this Spider-Man. One hundred percent. Part of I it, like it likes to sow its oats. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, because that was the one thing I was. Saying. So this is like the symbiote version. In my mind, it's the symbiote version of Rumspringa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go out there and experience the world for the yeah. Time, right. Yeah. <laughs> Just want to put it out there. I don't understand the joke, but I'm laughing anyways. <laughs> uh, Finn, I think it would be amazing if they go through a, a black suit saga, you know, not necessarily rushing it, but, you know, him still having the black suit and being a, a good guy for a bit. And then it transfers to Eddie Brock, like later down the line with that Eddie Brock being a, a, a Tom Hardy variant that's in the MCU. That would be pretty cool. I don't know if Tom Hardy's going to make his way to the MCU, though. It's It's weird, though, because... There's a moment, you know, if if Morbius is 100% in the MCU, why does he know about Venom from that trailer? Yeah, that shit is so confusing. It is confusing. Unless With the Raimi poster in the background. MCU. Yeah, and the Raimi poster in the background. Right. It's like they're intentionally, like, talk about trolling. Like, yeah. Oh and, they, it's the Ra- and it's not even a Raimi image. It's the Raimi suit from the Spider-Man PS4 game. Yeah. You're like, oh, my gosh. All right, guys, uh, that is Spider-Man No Way Home. I fucking loved it. Um, incredible. I love, yeah, I love this movie. I love this movie. Um, Jake, are you gonna, are you gonna go back and see it a fourth time? I am. I am. <laughs> I, 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 I'll probably, I think, see it in the like five to six time range. Yeah. Um, movies come out so quick now where you can watch them at home that honestly, if it was like, 15 years ago, I'd probably go 20 times just knowing that once it's gone, I'd have this like six to eight month wait before I could ever see it again. Yeah. But now that that's a one to two month wait, if even, I'll probably just see it like a few more times. Where is this going to end up? It's not going to be on Disney Plus. Or did they, did they work out a deal with Disney Plus? Uh, I think no, they're working they're out on there. No, they're uh, working out no? a deal right now no. from what I read. 
Um, yeah. But I mean, it'll be available like digitally through all those means. So you know, because I, I was watching like the Raimi movies on on my Star subscription. Yeah, yeah, I own them all. So it's just watching them that way. But um, yeah, I I bet they'll work out a deal to get the Spider-Man movies on the Disney Plus. I, I heard they already did with Homecoming and Far From Home. Yeah, I think they're just waiting for like those previous deals to maybe expire. Yeah, I think there is some because even some of their own movies that are in the Sony deal, they still don't have the rights to put on Disney Plus. I believe. I believe there's like three or four holdouts still. Yeah. Mm. Ah, Finn, you got to get the fuck out of here. Heck yeah, man! You know, a, a college kid has a lot has a lot going on. I'm a busy boy, but uh, I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me. This is <laughs> I never have more fun than recording with you guys. You know, I've been listening to you guys for almost half my life at this point, and it's still a really important part of my life. So I get to listen to podcasts when I can, so I'm so appreciative, and I love talking with you guys. Jake, you gotta love Finn, man. Super, I do love Finn. Yes. Yeah, oh, thanks, man. Good to talk to you for the first time. Heck yeah, man. Thank yeah. you so much. I love – you guys are all so knowledgeable, and I really appreciate you guys' like, insight on things. Like breaking down the movie, there's so many things that I did not catch at all. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. Other people pay attention to <laughs> Finn, I want you to – as soon as you're done, I want you to Google Rumspringer. Okay, hold on. How do I spell it? I'm not joking. How do I spell it? <laughs> and then I want you to watch the Harrison Ford movie The Witness. Okay, That's I've seen uh, the Fugitive. I've seen the Fugitive. I've never seen the Witness. very different movies. Very, very different, oh. different movies. <laughs> they sound the same. And then I want you to do a Wikipedia search on the Amish community. <laughs> hey, I'm from, I'm from Akron, Ohio. We have the Amish right down the street. Well, then why don't you know about Rumspringer? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's uh rite of passage during adolescence and then i want yes. you to watch the movie starring seth green sex drive okay I keep, <laughs> waiting for that. Yeah, like, I keep waiting for you to name a movie that i've already seen to be able to be like yeah i've seen that but i haven't seen any of these so. i have a lot to catch up on apparently you have a lot to learn i do i, I do i'm only 22 guys come on oh my god I, I finn finn were you li- you were listening to us when you were like 13 Thir- 13 that's insane, dude. Jesus. Finn, awesome. was, Finn was 13. I've learned so much. I've learned so many, so many great things about the world from this podcast. We helped uh, shape his brain, Brian. Uh, Literally. It's scary. I used to fall asleep to these episodes. I'm not joking. I would love oh, to. Oh, yeah. Like, we definitely shaped it. Uh, you know, you know who else falls asleep to these episodes? Paul Hart. Yeah. I was, I was like, listen, I only get to listen like to one episode a month because of my schedule and stuff. And so I was re-listening to some of the episodes I missed. And it was one of them where Paul fell asleep at the end. And you guys were like, at the beginning of the episode, like, oh, hopefully Paul doesn't fall asleep. And by the end, he was asleep. So sorry. He was so sincere. He's like, guys, I'm so sorry. I feel like such a jerk. Like I am. And everyone's like, dog, it's fine. It's funny. Okay. Uh, Luther Shaver. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) Neil is just now finding out about this. Of course. (laughs) You can hear him snoring. (laughs) Yeah. You can, you can audibly hear him snoring. It's hilarious. (laughs) For real though, guys, thank you so much for having me. I, I never have fun like this when I get to talk to you guys, especially about Spider-Man stuff. You know, that's my bread and butter. So thank you, Finn. It was, it was a blast having you on, man. And, uh, dude, uh, good luck in college, dude. Thanks, guys. I'm a senior. Um, I'm probably going to take an extra year, though, so it'll be a five-year degree plan. But, yeah, I'm almost done. I, I go to University of Akron. I do graphic design stuff. It's awesome. I love it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, dude, guys. Do four more years. Never leave. 
Yeah, literally. I, I will just Stay never leave, ever. Stay in school as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. I'm, I'm lo- learning. Still still absorbing. Yeah, I, hey, if you guys need an extra guest for your uh, Into the Spider-Verse 2 movie review, let me know. Oh, dude, dude, I'll, I'll be I'll be calling you up, man. Don't worry. I appreciate it, guys. Don't worry. Into the Spider-Verse 2, part one. Part one? Yeah, oh, my part goodness. One. I, did you guys break down the trailer? Yeah. I didn't get a chance to listen. No. I, it came, it came on while we were recording an episode. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. We, yeah, we talked about it. it. We talked about it, but we, we didn't get to break it down. We like, yeah. okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Dude, that, I, that movie has become my favorite comic book film of all time, the first one. And it just like – it's just so good, and I cannot wait to see where they take – by the tip of this next movie, especially Miguel. Like, I love Spider Man 2099, and I'm so happy that that is going to become like a mainstream character after this. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Finn. I, I rated Spider Verse over Endgame at our Tupperware Awards, and I, 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 still, I, I still stand by that. I, I this is, is No Way Home is up there with Endgame for me and my Oh my god, I fucking cried when Iron Man died. What the fuck? I, this, oh my god, Jake. It, fucking, it was like years, uh, 10 years. Ten years of Marvel movies. <laughs> Ten years of Marvel movies. I fucking, I fucking was balling in the theater. When, never, never game. once did I say Endgame was bad. Oh, I think it's a masterpiece, but Spider Verse no, is like it's, it's Spider Verse is great, but my God, I'm not, I'm not. There's no moment in that movie where I'm fucking just like so invested in crying. Wait, what about uh, when Uncle Aaron is teaching him how to do the hand touch thing? He goes, "I'm telling you, man, it's science," and he does the, he does the hey. <laughs> Yeah, Brian, what about that? Yeah, what about... Oh, shit. Oh, fuck, Finn. You're right. You're so right, dude. Come on, man. You're forgetting the cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> Finn, you're drunk. Go home. I am. Okay, hey, appreciate you guys. Have a Absolutely. great night, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, dude. Later, Finn. All right, Finn. See Later. See you, Finn. Guys, we got the uh, Multiverse of Madness trailer as the second uh, post credit scene. And, uh, yeah, um, I just uh, – hold on. Do you guys – should I play it? Because I actually recorded the audio in the theater. Oh, yeah, let's do sure. it. Sure. All right, hold on. the only way hold on i'm gonna stop right there what does he mean it was the only way mm. yeah, I not mean, sh- not sure obviously he did something bad and he's apologizing for it saying that he was forced to do it it was the only I, way is he is he referencing this spell that that happened in no way home is he referencing i think he i you know, think a lot of this the battle where he's, I, you know there was only one way for them to win it was the only way, yeah, because like there was like you know like we know from in Infinity War that there were, you know, what was it fourteen? Was it fourteen million six hundred five different outcomes or something? How how many yeah, outcomes like I, that? Yeah, it was like, definitely fourteen million plus. Yeah, I think it was like fourteen million six hundred five different outcomes. So he know like it's the only way. Well, I'll, I'll play the rest of this. Hold on. But I never.
sooner or later you show up. I made mistakes and people were hurt. I'm not here to talk about Westview. Then what are you here for? We need your help. It's what? What do you know about the multiverse? Yeah, they dropped the uh, teaser trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as the final post credit scene. And I do think that the spell that Strange performs in No Way Home might be responsible for what we see happening in this movie. Um, I referenced earlier that Wong says in No Way Home that's, that the spell travels the dark borders of the known and unknown universe and then Mordo in the first Doctor Strange movie warned Stephen Strange about dark magic. He says, she told us, and he's talking about the ancient one. He says, quote, she told us it was forbidden while she drew on its powers for centuries of life. Strange says she did what she thought was right. And Mordo says the bill comes due. And... Is this the bill coming due? I mean, we've got to, and we've also got to throw in the events of Loki into this, the whole, and, and what's going on there. And I mean, even at the end of WandaVision, we see Wanda at the end of that reading out of the Darkhold book. And, you know, the Darkhold, as far as, for as much as we know about the Darkhold in the MCU, it goes by many names, the Book of Sins, the Book of Spells, and Agatha pointed out in the WandaVision finale, the Book of the Damned. It's essentially a book of spells that are believed to corrupt the conscience of whoever physically touches it. And there's a lot of things kind of like going on in different uh, movies, you know, first Doctor Strange, Spider-Man No Way Home, WandaVision, that... Uh, that lead me to believe that maybe these things are all just the, the, the bill has come due as Mordo says. And yeah, I agree. I do think the bill has come due here and it's just everything like just poking too many holes in, into messing with these lines between one universe and the other. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't trust any Marvel trailer anymore. Yeah, yeah. So yes, <laughs> as far as far as like plot goes, like I, I, this movie could be about goddamn anything at this point, and it, the trailer would not tell me either way. Um, I do like that we got a shot of America Chavez in one of the portals, uh, standing behind Stephen Strange, and, and like 
there there are so many loose ends that have been started by like the Disney Plus series and No Way Home and all this like there's all these elements that need to be kind of collated or, or tied up a little bit in order to make more sense and like this this feels like the movie that's going to do that that's going to say like hey we took all these crazy concepts let's boil it down and and get you to a point where your human brains can actually understand what's going on and these you know these huge concepts will actually make sense to all of us who are consuming these movies what do we remember from the end of WandaVision? Wanda hears the voices of her two children, Billy and Tommy, cry out from the multiverse. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've got a Wanda who desperately, you know, you got a mother that finds out that your children never existed. But then through Darkhold magic, you're finding out that these children do exist, and it sounds like they've been kidnapped in the multiverse. <laughs> what are you going to do as a mother? Do you, are you just going to let that go? No. You, no. <laughs> fuck no, you're not. Hell no, you're, you're not. You're going to fuck up time and space in order to get them back. I honestly feel like like when Doctor Strange is talking to her in this teaser trailer, I feel like maybe Wanda has even created like a pocket little universe for herself here. Where he's visiting her. Ooh, yeah, yeah I, I like believe that. it. That place we see at the end of Wandavision is like her own little sanctuary that she has created with her reality bending powers. I agree. Yeah, that's yeah. What, exactly Ooh, what that's, I think. And if it's that's not that, cool I think it'll idea. be Wonder Gore Mountain. I don't know what that is. That's that's where her origins are from. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now we've got. Here's the here's the thing that I I, I, I kind of want in want to get into America Chavez and what is her role in in all of this? Everything that I've heard is that that basically they put um there is a there there's going to be <laughs> How do I, uh, some of the spoilers that I've heard, and if you don't want to hear any spoilers for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and I can't promise you that these are spoilers. These are just, these are leaks that have come out that, that I think are from possibly reputable sources. This comes from My Time to Shine, Hello, on Reddit, is that, um, Strange and Chavez, America Chavez, they're put into prison uh, by a an Illuminati police um, force that's led by multiverse Charles Xavier. Um, huh. Yeah, yeah. There, there is an. Yeah, Illum- it's crazy. It's crazy. This is fucking nuts. There is. Um, Wanda is okay. Wanda is looking for America Chavez because America Chavez is America Chavez can basically um it Wanda can travel through the astral plane through different multiverses but she can't physically be there. 
unless she uses America Chavez. America Chavez can actually get her to, she can use America Chavez to actually transport into another version of herself in a multiverse. So if there's a want, yeah, can't America, go can't ahead. America Chavez open like portals yes. for physical beings to change dimensions. Like is that, that's one of her basic powers, right? Yes. Yeah, so there's a battle for America Chavez in this. And so that would make the most sense. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. So, um, Wanda, it's very misleading, like what we see in this teaser trailer. Like, it's, you've got Strange and you've got Wanda talking to each other, and it seems like they're gonna, like, work together, you know, to figure out this whole multiverse thing. They actually, I I believe what I've heard is they actually fight each other. Yeah, Wanda's probably already kidnapped a version of her kids at this point. Well, hold on, we fucking know they have they have a fight with they have a fight with each other after this whole conversation that we hear about in like this trailer, and Strange is trying to like bring her to her senses, but it doesn't work. Wanda makes her way to Camartage because she's she's looking she's looking for America Chavez. Um. Strange and Chavez at this point are trying to get away from Wanda, so they're running into other realities trying to get away from her. They go through a lot of different places until they get to a Mordo variant who's the master of mystic arts in his universe. So we've got a, a Source of Supreme version of Baron Mordo in another universe. and That's the Dreadlock Mordo? Yes. And, he, and, and, and I think... He, he tricks them and then brings them to the Illuminati, the Illuminati, um, that is led by multiverse Charles Xavier. And I believe from what I can remember that the Illuminati is made up of Charles Xavier, um, this Baron Mordo, Captain Carter, uh, Balder the Brave, and there's another one that I'm forgetting. Maybe I'll find out. Maybe I'll. I, We're getting Namor. Namor is not in this movie, as far as I know. Damn it! <laughs> um, we always forget one of these every time we bring this up. <laughs> Wait. So the Charles Xavier that we're supposedly getting, is that going to be James McAvoy or is there going to be recasting? I have heard it's not 100% confirmation, but somebody on Twitter that um, that has a little bit of inside knowledge so that it's not going to be McAvoy, but it is going to be um, Patrick Stewart. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, they, Strange and Chavez are put in prison, and they're captured by Ultron bots that we saw in the What If series. Whoa. And, okay. Jake, I, uh. I sent you a picture of the CGI shots of, of that that were leaked online yeah it was super cool um and i mean we've seen already some pre-con stuff of the scarlet witch professor x battle that we've talked about in past episodes so yeah it's really it's really wild how much of this what if stuff is uh between the different people in this group and the ultron bots and you know what we know of dr stranger's alter ego they're really mining the uh the what if a lot more than i thought they were going to so that makes me more interested in watching the rest of it. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm definitely going to be. I'm going to. I'm going to be watching the rest of What If now because of what we saw in this trailer. So Wanda, in order to try to get her kids, 
she takes over the body of this universe's Wanda, who is just a normal housewife with her kids. So she uses her body to kill some of the Illuminati to get Chavez out of that universe. But before she can do that, Xavier enters her mind and tries to free her mind from MCU Wanda. So he tries to enter the body of the Wanda that's in that universe. He tries to free that Wanda from the MCU Wanda. He's also trying to reach MCU Wanda and help her come to her senses. When Wanda finally gets to her kids, she realizes they were never in any danger and were living happily with the other Wanda in that universe on a farm. And the kids want their real mother back and they fear this Wanda. This Wanda, this breaks Wanda and she disappears, but not before she does the same thing she did in WandaVision, but this time to the whole universe. Uh, Strange and Chavez get back to the MCU, but the multiverse is more broken the, broken than ever. I'm guessing what Wanda did will get her kids to the MCU and they'll be older is what my time to shine hello says. MCU Mordo gets killed by Wanda. The uh, main Christine Palmer we see in this movie is also from the Mordo and Illuminati's reality, while the MCU Palmer only has a small role. So basically that wedding scene where we see Christine Palmer getting married. Alternate universe. Yeah. Um, Magic. Magic is not in the movie. So the X-Men character Magic is not in the movie. Um, A lot of this this sounds like Legion to me. Oh, the the TV show Legion on FX. Yeah, does that make sense? Like a lot, a lot of this this you know supposition sounds like what happened in Legion. Yeah, I see the parallel there. Yeah, just I do coming too. to grips with your sanity and reality. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and, and differing realities, and whose perception of what is actually reality, and how can we tell what reality really is? I, the main villains that I'm hearing are going to be the Illuminati, Mordo, and uh, an evil version of Wanda, and that the evil version of Strange that we saw in this trailer is not going to be a big part of the movie. But I can't confirm that. That's just what I'm hearing. It's like a Dark Ray moment. <laughs> It'll be in the movie for like a <laughs> second. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's just like a nod to the What If series, basically. And the, yeah. the, the creature that we see... Uh, in the, in the trailer, uh, with the tentacles and the big eyeball is not Shumagorath, but, uh, recently there was a leaked figure of Gargantos for a Lego figure. And so that, uh, that creature design matches up with the, the Lego figure, the leaked Lego figure that we see of Gargantos. So it's not Shumagorath. I'm not saying that Shumagorath will not show up in the movie. I'm just saying what we saw in the trailer, the teaser trailer, is not Shumagorath, it's Gargantos. We might see yeah. a ton of creatures. I have no fucking idea what we're going to be seeing in this movie. I'm just saying. Know your tentacle eyeball monsters. Exactly. <laughs> it's Starro. It's Starro. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm so excited for this. I This little teaser was so fucking great. It was yeah. so great to see the touch of Sam Raimi on something again. Um, I was excited to hear Danny Elfman already had 
something to throw on this thing. You could, you could tell that was a Danny Elfman score the moment this starts. Um, <laughs> oh man! Well, also, just like seeing it at the tail end of our our most recent exposure to Strange, and after Wandavision, like it all, it was the perfect time to drop this as a trailer. I I, think I was at, I, yeah, I was a little surprised that Sony allowed them to to yeah. uh, preview an MCU film at the end of their film. You know, that was, that was some good collaboration there. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty impressive. Cause Sony gets nothing from that. No. Yeah. Except returns when it all goes full circle again. Again. So what, what are the chances? It's more, that, it's more foresight than I expect from the, from Sony. Well, what are the chances that Tom Holland does show up in this movie then? I think zero percent chance, honestly. Yeah. I I don't think he's showing up in it either. To be honest with you, I don't. I don't. I don't. I think the next time we see Tom Holland show up in an MCU movie is going to be something after this main trilogy is completed. I I don't think he's going to show up for a team movie until until this next trilogy of films is completed. Maybe I'm I'm still thinking it could be Secret Wars. I 100% agree. And like, like I said I, earlier, it's only going to take like six years for that to happen anyway. It's not that long. Yeah. So. Every two years. I, I, I agree, but I really do want him to show up in Moon Knight. Spider Man? Yeah, I think that would be super interesting to see the two of them interact. Because they don't really do that in the comics. Like, there's never really a Moon Knight Spider Man team up. I think that's not true. I, that's not true. One of my favorite series, it's called Round Robin. It's a six part series and it's it's in amazing spider-man oh, okay like the actual canon run you, you should read it it's great i would rather see spider-man show up in something more street level like a some kind of kingpin crossover daredevil totally yeah. that's what i was gonna say yeah. something street level like well like is daredevil. it moon knight gonna be street level yeah. Well, he's a moon knight level character moon knight seems more like he's he because he's gonna show up in something like maybe a blade kind of series something like that yeah so. Well, I mean, like we're getting the Moon Knight series. Yeah, I mean, it's it's supposedly it, it should be street level because Moon Knight's a pretty street level character. Yeah, we're, we're uh, Egyptian gods inhabiting a. Oh yeah, yeah. A, a, <laughs> someone with multiple personality disorder. Yes, obviously, it's there's there's some fantastic element, elements there, but he mainly deals with like street level threats. Yeah, he's not like a public respected superhero. So no. he, he's kind of, even though his origins are very fantastical, Neil is right that his stories do take place more on, on the grounded, like street level. Technically, yeah. he was Moon Knight. He was intended to be like the Marvel's Batman, but crazier. Yeah, yeah but it rides the line because Brian's right too, because they do both things. Like they, he, yeah. they do them with Daredevil oh, yeah, and Spider Man, sure. but they also do them with fucking Ghost Rider and Blade all the time too. Right. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. He kind of rides the line between those two kind of universes. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of want interesting to see, to see that combination. I kind of just want to see Peter do his own thing in the next. Well, yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, moving on from the multiverse of madness trailer, which I was, it just had me salivating for that yeah. movie. Yeah, dude. And the <laughs> way to get me to not complain about waiting through the whole fucking credits just <laughs> show me a Sam Raimi trailer. Just do that every time and I'll yeah, never complain again. Give you something completely new, too, that's not even supposed to be related to what you just saw. It's like, hey, this is like a sneak peek. It yeah. wasn't... I think it's related. It's Doctor Strange. 
<laughs> what, what movie did you watch, Neil? <laughs> we we I meant, like plot wise. <laughs> I think that might be related too. Oh, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, we got news this week from giantfreakingrobot.com, uh, exclusive Daisy Ridley in advanced talks to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As who? Uh, we do not know. They say thanks to some inside information from a trusted and proven source for Giant Freaking Robot, we have learned that Daisy Ridley is currently in, in, in advanced talks for a role in the MCU. We learned that these talks are far along at this point, which is promising. While that means they still have more to work out before they finalize a deal. Daisy Ridley is experienced enough that if she's far along in talks, she probably knows what she wants. That's not a guarantee that she'll sign on the dotted line, but it's something fans can hope, uh, can be hopeful about. We were unable to learn what role has caught Daisy Ridley's eye. Is she talking about a Marvel Cinematic Universe role for a project fans already know about? Or is this a deep Marvel secret yet still to be revealed? Is she looking at a Disney Plus series or a movie for the big screen? The MCU has grown so large that the possibilities are nearly endless and that makes it exciting. Um, so, yeah, that's my big question here. A lot of people, since this, uh, you know, this news leaked, and I will say that Giant Freaking Robot is not the only one saying this. Um, my Time to Shine Hello said this is 100% accurate. So she, uh, said that this is, this is legit. Um, I'm, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, could she be the next Sue Storm? I saw someone, uh, the leftover army joke that she's Mary Sue Storm. <laughs> That's hilarious. That was Rob Forrest. I saw that as well. Um, could she be, hilarious. if they introduced the X-Men, could she be Rogue? I had her as Kitty Ooh. Pride if they introduced the X-Men. Oh, I like Kitty that Pride too. is oh. very good too. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, Christian Bale is going to be Gore the God Butcher. Could she be a villain in a future Marvel project? Yeah, that's great as well. I there's a like bunch a of interests or yeah, X Men. Yeah. You can have her be the White Queen. Ooh, it'll yeah. be yeah, it'll be. I I do I I am buying this news. I don't know if talks are going to fall out, but um, you know, I would not <laughs> be opposed to fucking. I think she'd be a great Jean Grey, Tristan. Yeah, I, I, I that's so. not bad. Not bad. Ooh, Jean yeah. Grey. I'm really surprised that she's um, jumping into the Marvel train because she seemed to be very dissatisfied with the whole fandom of Star Wars. Well, I would. Yeah, the I Marvel would. people love everything. We yeah. Know. <laughs> she needs to get. She needs to get back in the good graces of fucking fanboys. So <laughs> Marvel can do no wrong right now. Uh, I also wanted to, uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever news, you know, uh, we did a Patreon episode where we were talking about, uh, you know, who could be the next, uh, Black Panther. It looks like we might have our answer, um, he, uh, at the He-Man 9 on Twitter said, at the comics kid has said they changed the ending of Black, pa uh, of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever because of Letitia Wright and goes on to say, I imagine they originally wanted to have Shuri to be the new Black Panther at the end. But after Wright's nonsense, they changed it to M'Baku. My time to shine. Hello said you heard right. 
He's not the lead of Black Panther 2, but he gets the mantle from Shuri. So it was originally intended for Letitia Wright's character of Shuri to be the next Black Panther, but because of certain things that are happening with her in, you know, real life. She done fucked up. She done fucked up. They have now, (laughs) they have now changed it so that Winston Duke will be it looks like, from what I'm hearing from everyone, Daniel RPK is saying this as well, that M'Baku is going to take on the mantle of Black Panther at the end of uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and he's going to be our next Black Panther going forward. I love I this. Could, yeah. I could Yeah, I could actually see that happening, too, because it's like it, it wasn't intended, obviously, but M'Baku was there at all the major events, um, you know, as far as... Uh, the Infinity Saga was concerned, um, the Battle of Wakanda, and also uh, the Endgame Battle as well. And so it's not like a character just coming out of nowhere to become Black yeah. Panther. And Winston Duke is just so fucking fantastic in that role. And, and to see him, you know, getting a more prominent MCU, MCU role, oh man, I'm, I'm all about it. He is so good as M'Baku. Here's the thing. Like, if you would have, like, if somebody would have said this, and I've honestly said this, you know, like, a little over a month ago, I was just like, oh, he's just so, he's such a big guy. I can't see such a big guy being in that suit. And now that it's actually out there, people are saying, like, this is going to happen. I'm just like, fuck it. Do it. Just (laughs) fuck it. Just do it. Do you you think he would incorporate... Some of the uh, the the, the uh, gorilla aspects from his tribe, like I into do. the Black Panther, like so, like the suit w- would be more like a silverback gorilla rather than yeah. a uh, a big cat. Yeah, the fighting style is definitely going to be different. Yeah, that could be super interesting to see on screen too. Like just like how different the, the Black Panthers can be with with how they you know fight. Each- other people or oh, re- totally. just re- relate to the world. He's yeah. got to, he's got to go through the whole black Panther like ritual and take the, yeah. the, the herb, you know, and fucking be resurrected and all that shit. So, I mean, we, that's something, do you think that we'll see that in the next movie or do you think that we're going to see that in black Panther three, three, I would think yeah, so I, too. I, I agree. I think it'll be a quick handoff in two and then he'll have to yeah. officially go through, the business in part three. Did you see part the article? Will be his origin story. Yeah. I was getting ready to bring up what I think you're about to bring up, Brian. Yeah, the article of like his brother actually said uh, that yeah. that he would that that uh, that Chadwick Boseman would have wanted them to recast T'Challa. Of course. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can't see him wanting to keep that role to himself. Yeah, he's, I, selfless. Right? he's a yeah. selfless, selfless man, and his loss will be forever felt by all of us. But. Yeah, I mean, that's completely in line with his personality is wanting the character to continue because it's such an important character, but it not like, you know, trying to acknowledge that it's been tied to him, but it should be passed on. That's the thing, Neil. It's like when, 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 when Chadwick Boseman passed away, I could not see anybody else as T'Challa. So, but if we had the blessing of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. I would not be, you know, I'd be like, okay, you know, we've got the blessing of the guy who fucking like embodied the character. Yeah, go ahead yeah. And, and and recast if that's if that's what his wishes were. Um, as long as it was done in a respectful manner and that it was clearly a nod to all of the real world 
aspects of it, if it made sense in the universe, it would totally work. But that's a – Neil, that's a – we can say that. And even Chadwick Boseman, before he passed, like let's say he said that. Actually having – this is not fucking like Don Chadle taking over War Machine. This is fucking – Chadwick Boseman was iconic as that character. Yes. Like, like, so whoever comes in and tries to fill those shoes, I don't. <laughs> be a hard, hard job. Yeah, I mean, those <laughs> oh, are man. like nearly impossible shoes to fill. It's not like it's not like you know Christopher Reeve, you know, made his movies. He made four Superman movies. And then they just, they rebooted everything over there at DC. Yeah. It's not like Henry Cavill cu- had to come in and, and right. try to do what Brandon Routh did by playing the same character. <laughs> right? And we saw how that kind of like worked out. Like we did, yeah. we loved the fact that Brandon Routh fucking tried to play the same character. Like, and, and like yeah. I think Routh did a damn he good was, job. He was, he was great in that yeah. movie. Yeah. But he was bad, but he was great in it. But yeah. yeah, the movie was bad. But like Brandon Routh really, really fucking tried. Kind of like Andrew Garfield in those Spider-Man movies. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. I think we should um, replace T'Challa post Secret War. I think that's the perfect kind of soft reboot moment in this storyline, where we should what? bring the character back. I think storyline lies it would make sense there too. And so we bring over a, a multiverse T'Challa to kind of fill in the what. Yeah, because I think that's the problem here. Like, everyone's like, well, they always change James Bond. Well, I mean, it's like, it's a new that's universe, kind of. Yeah. I mean, every what, what time if, it's... Oh, go ahead. What if we had the passing of the torch from, you know, uh, T'Challa to Shuri to M'Baku, and then we had a multiversal Black Panther come through that was played by uh, uh, Jordan? Instead, like Michael so B. Jordan, being, Michael B. Jordan Peele. So instead of him, <laughs> get out, Killmonger. He w- he was playing T'Challa. What if that would confuse audiences, though? Yeah, I think or, you just cast a whole new guy and 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 wait until some kind of soft reboot moment. And that's why I brought up Secret War. Yeah, because I don't think the MCU is going to end anytime soon. Like for a normal franchise, God I would damn just it. say, well. When you reboot the franchise, cast a new T'Challa. But I, I don't. This isn't a normal franchise. If, we all know right. that. Here's the thing: if fucking Aldous Hodge wasn't playing Hawkman in Shazam: Fury of the Gods, <laughs> I would love to see fucking Aldous Hodge as our new T'Challa. Oh, that'd be fantastic! That would be that dude is athletic as fuck, and I think he'd look great in a Black Panther suit. Yeah, and he's he's a fantastic actor too. He's a I fucking phenomenal actor. I mean, if, if you guys ever saw Leverage, he's really great in that. Um, he was also in one of the uh, short treks that came out a couple of years ago, and he was fucking fantastic in that, too. Yeah, like when, well, you know, he was voodoo in Friday Night Lights, but he really didn't get to showcase his acting talent right. in that. So, you know, that's my first exposure to him was in Friday Night Lights. What was the other? He did the, uh, was it Brian Banks? Yeah. He was fantastic in Brian Banks. He's in Straight Outta Compton, too. 
but you barely. Uh, oh, that's yeah. right. He wasn't straight out of Compton. I told yeah, you. He was, MC, he was MC Ren. That's right. He, he was like, MC Ren. He had like three lines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They really shorted Ren. He does the uh, he does the series. I haven't seen it. What was the, the series he does with Kevin Bacon on Showtime? Oh, yeah. I've seen that. I, I haven't uh, got a chance to watch that one, but it looks really good. Yeah, I, I really only know him from Leverage. I still feel like they're just gonna they're just gonna replace uh uh Hutton. I, I just I feel like they're just gonna go with Mbaku going for it. I don't oh, feel, yeah. I I feel like they're not gonna bring T'Challa back. That's the cleanest uh, I actually way agree of going with that. about it. Yeah, it's the cleanest way to do it. And um do you guys think that because Letitia Wright has been fucking up that they're gonna kill her off? No, I don't think they'll do that. I don't think they'll I be think that they'll petty. just sideline her. Yeah, they'll write her off the story, but I, I don't think they'll be that petty. Let me yeah. th- let me throw this out there because this has been uh, something that some leakers have been talking about that Mbaku will be Black Panther now, but I've also heard that we're going to find out in the next movie, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, that. Before T'Challa passed, that him and Okoye had a kid, had a child, and I don't know if the child is going to be born or if we're going to see Okoye carrying a child in this next movie. But I, I, I have heard that that she is going to be uh, uh, pregnant with with uh, with his baby, T'Challa's child, with T'Challa's child, and and um, you know you know how. You know how Marvel likes to do time jumps. Yeah. You know, uh, what if was you know, what if uh, what if by the time we f- we meet this child in the next movie, that she was pregnant with T'Challa's kid, and uh, we meet this kid, and this kid During is the blip. D- thank you. This kid is already four years old. Yeah, yeah, because the because Okoye wasn't. Dusted. Uh, so Black Panther took place in 2018. So she would have had the kid in 2019, right? So the kid by 2024 would be five years old. We could have a, we could have a five year old child. Yeah. By the time we oh, get that'd to Black, be cool. yeah, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It's not like the MCU is opposed to doing time jumps. Well, also we could we could uh, get Winston Duke's uh, Mbaku agreeing to take the mantle for an interim period yeah. until the child grows up to be an adult and, and actually take the mantle for himself. He could play the father figure to this uh, this yeah, this young that boy. Could be super fun. Oh, I like that. What what if like Black Panther three was a time jump in itself, where we started off at the present day and then we we age the kid up with like a, a montage in the beginning so then we get like the main thrust of I don't think that they want to jump too over. I don't think they want to jump too far to, forward into the MCU because then they have to worry about events that happen in between that we right. that we still haven't yeah they don't do well with that um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any kind of time travel storyline would also work here I mean the comics do that kind of nonsense all yeah. the time like it's not the greatest storyline but the, the movies haven't done it that much so it wouldn't feel cliched yet like i think they still have a go where they can 
age up a character or de-age a character and people aren't going to be like, oh, not this trick again. Whereas when they move them over to the main storyline, yeah. yeah. I really, yeah, exactly. I, guys, I don't be surprised. Do not be surprised that if we get into Black Panther Wakanda Forever, we find out that Okoye had a child. Do not be surprised. I'm telling you, I think, I think it's, I think there's a big chance, I think there's a big chance that we're gonna find out that T'Challa and Okoye had a child together. I really do. Nakia. Oh, Okoye, I keep saying, I keep, I've been saying Okoye, now he's cheating on Nakia with Okoye. Okoye is Denia <laughs> Guerrero's character, you're right, you're right. Right, right, right. right. I apologize. Yeah, it, it'd be Nakia. I keep, I think, I keep thinking of her as like the Nokia phone. <laughs> yeah. Plus, we've gotten so much more of Okoye that it, it's like it, it, it comes more naturally to to think of her as a. More well, there was character. one time where I was ke- I kept thinking about Denai Guerrero being the next Black Panther. Oh as well. yeah, that'd be great yeah. Because I I I love her. I'm a big fan of her from Walking Dead. Walking I love, Dead, yeah. I love her as uh, as Michonne. So no, yeah, Nakia. Um, yeah, so th- that's the that's the big thing that. That I've heard from some some credible um, leakers that uh, don't be surprised if we find out that uh, that T'Challa and Nakia had a child. I think that's a huge possibility. Yeah, I could Absolutely. see it. It's going to get all the oohs and ahs from the audience. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it'll 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 kill all the birds with the same stone. You know, you you have the yes. continuation of Chadwick Boseman's legacy. You have the continuation of the character. Well, think about you this. Have you know, within Baku, you with, within ten years of the MCU, ten eleven years now in the MCU, they've already done a five year time jump, right? Yeah. And I mean, think about like the next ten years of the I, MCU. I don't I don't see this stopping anytime soon. I have a feeling they'll let us catch up, to, like in real world time, to where they are, and then they're going to do another time jump. And then let us catch up, and then do another time jump, and let us catch up. Right. You know, just kind of like, hey, this is happening now, finally. And oh wait, we're going to the future again. By the okay. time we're done with Tom Holland Spider Man, we're on to Miles Morales, and we're on to our next Black Panther, which is T'Challa's son. Yeah. It could happen, guys. So. Yeah. 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 Totally. Mm-hmm. All right. That's all I got for. Uh, that's all I got for. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and the Marvel News and I just want to wish everyone in the Leftover Army a, uh, well, we'll see him again but I, I, I do want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas that's listening. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I hope you guys have a have a great holiday time with your family and your loved ones and yeah, it's a special time of the year, you know. Don't get, do too, don't get too drunk around family members. <laughs> Solid <laughs> advice. Yeah, that, that is the best advice you could possibly give. Oh, Neil knows. <laughs> yeah, I'm not shocked. <laughs> hey, Tristan, what are you recording your next episode with uh, StarCast? Are you, are you doing a StarCast in January? Uh, February, I think. February. There you that go. That one is February. Yeah, that one will be out uh, February 5th. We'll record that one on the 4th. Look at, look at Joe. He's got the, look at the power of spreadsheets, my friend. Look at you. The power of spreadsheets. With great power comes great responsibility. With great power comes great spreadsheets. 
<laughs> yeah, so I love this. I love this, man. I love this. Like, Tristan started listening to our podcast. Joe listened to our podcast. Joe was like, I'm going to make a podcast. And now Tristan's on that Joe's podcast. Awesome. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's like a weird podcast. I've been on Joe's podcast, too. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, I have something to plug. So, yeah, StarCast in uh, February. <laughs> wow. Nice. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm really i'm looking forward to that one too tristan that's gonna be a lot of fun yeah yeah likewise yeah it was a great time um discussing this movie it was like uh i think this was definitely like a key cinematic moment of you know yeah. the last 10 years or so so it was great discussing such a fantastic movie with you guys absolutely uh neil yeah just wanted to say your name dude <laughs> now where can people find you man uh, I do a show with uh, another PCL listener uh, Stephen Farshid we do the Smorgasbord a Star Trek Universe podcast uh, we're currently covering Discovery we recorded an episode, episode 3 of season 4 today and we're going to record tomorrow because we're behind um but yeah, it's it definitely has been a great time discussing this particular movie with y'all because I had a lot of thoughts after I got out of this movie, and it was nice to kind of go through all of them. And yeah, I, I love you guys. I love every person I've ever met because of you guys, and that's a lot of people. So thank you for letting me be a part of your community. Dude, Neil, uh, God damn it, you're one of my favorite people. I, I, I uh, that, uh, you know, Jake. There's not, a, you know, there's not a lot of people that uh, I look forward to seeing. No, you tell me all the time you hate everyone but you. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love. No, I just, I love those moments where I just get to hang out with Neil. Just me and Neil. I do. I I want. Oh, I, I, I'm right there with you. One of my most treasured life memories is riding with just me and Neil to uh, Hopper's place. After oh, that was so much year. fun. <laughs> See, now I'm that jealous. Was, you should be. That was a great time. Oh, dude, Neil gives the best handies. <laughs> road, road handies. You got to have the road in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man alright guys uh, we 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 will not be back uh, next week it, next week uh, the day that we typically record is a Saturday which is going to be Christmas so we're going to be returning on New Year's Day for an episode and uh, is it New Year's Day we're returning Jake? it is New Year's Day yes yeah, New Year's Day the week after we're going to return with the uh, Tupperware Awards show so we're going to be handing out tuppies to our favorite uh movies tv shows and all this other bullshit from 2021 it's 2021 god damn it the years the years are just ridiculous now with this covid shit i just like they i just i i want i do you feel like we're gonna put this all behind us by 2023 do you think we're gonna be no. finally no you don't yeah i'm shooting for 2025 god damn it i think it's for lucky getting worse oh man 
All right, I hate Which that. Why movies this, like this? Like, yeah, this is just Spider-Man ain't helping. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Spider-Man outbreaks! Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, talk about Dude, various. Spider-Man killed millions of people this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was so dark. So dark. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) He is a mass murderer. Boy. Uh, What can you you do about that, Stephen Strange? (laughs) (laughs) You got a, you got a, you got a spell for Omicron there, Stephen Strange? (laughs) Just make us all forget it. I think actually he did cast that spell. <laughs> Don't worry about what you're seeing in the real world. Uh, man. All right, guys. Just like all good leftovers say in the doggy backs, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks when we return. We'll see you next year. <laughs> I know. That gets funnier every I year. know. I said, see you next year. <laughs> oh, all right. We'll see you. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toxic, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's make it clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And we're the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Be sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and with the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.